Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Wrapping up the day's sporting issues deep into the night. This is Extra Time on SENZ. I'm gonna call it now. Good evening, New Zealand. Welcome into Extra Time. Dean Butler with you here uh, tonight, filling in for uh, Ricardo. Ricardo's not well at the moment, uh, a bit of a uh, uh, sicky Ricky at the moment, shall we say. What do you think, Ben? Not bad, eh? Good start. Sicky Ricky. You like that? Hmm? I'm quite a big fan of that, yeah. Yeah, okay, let's go with it. Uh, <laughs> uh, big Ben Francis is on the buttons. And uh, Ben, let's be honest, I'm trying to figure out what that uh, music was we started with. I know it's not Pablo Martini. I know that much. Your favourite. I know that. Oh, you're wrong. It was Pablo Martini. Another one of his songs. Yeah. I know I've got the name wrong. It's. I've noticed it's a running gag now. <laughs> it took me a while to pick up on it, but I was thinking about it only, I think it was afterwards you were hosted last time, and I was like, oh, he always gets it wrong. And I was like, oh, of course, it's a gag. Am I that gullible? Yeah, okay, you're right. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right, Ben. My, my apologies. He's good ask. Got some great songs. Anyway, folks, we've got a, a packed show for you tonight. Coming up shortly, we'll be talking with uh, Hamish, uh, Hamish Bidwell, uh, Sports Journal, talking all things media watch there. A lot of stuff to cover, actually. Uh, and then we'll also talk... Oh, I've, I've been... Really? P- Pete Fairburn? An Australian? Oh, they've had a lot of, lot of success at the Com Games. Oh, we we he know might be, he might be full of himself. We know deep down you're a big fan of good old Pete. Oh yeah, look, I am a big fan of good old Pete. He is a good boy. But yes, we'll be talking with Pete uh, Fairburn uh, as well. Then after eight o'clock, well, we've got to, if you want to talk cycling, there's only one man to talk to in New Zealand. That's Dale Woodford, old mate of mine. He'll be back on after eight o'clock. After nine o'clock, we might. Uh, I think it's, um, yes, we were talking uh, some league with Stephen Gallagher. Uh, he's going to pop up. And then maybe if we can, possibly between 10 and 11, maybe get some English Premier League talk because that is kicking off uh, in this upcoming um, weekend. In fact, Man City played Liverpool on the weekend. I don't know if you saw that one, Big Ben. Uh, in the Is it the Charity Shield now? Yes, and uh, Liverpool looking good. Uh, Man City, old Erlen Haaland looked like a young man with a big price tag on his shoulders, that's for sure. 0800 is the number to call. You can, of course, text 8833 if there's anything you wish to discuss or talk about. We shall get into that. But Big Ben, of course, I know you're a Warriors fan. You love your Warriors. Were you there on the weekend? Of course you were. Of course I was. Yeah, of course. Well, you got the tickets. You paid for them up front. You're all, all sorted, yeah? You're having a laugh, aren't you? Well, hey. You're having a laugh. What happened? Well, it's because the Warriors are coming back, there's been lots of competitions and lots of giveaways. Oh, the return home, yes. The return home. Home again, yes. So my sister won a double pass. Right. And my mum won a family pass. Oh, what? I know. I got nothing. Hey, you you didn't win a thing. Nah, 
the double pass and the family pass. Yeah, so unfortunately, though, uh, it was only myself, my sister, and my partner that could go. Okay. Uh, so it was a, a couple of tickets left there sitting, but my sister was going to put them in a scrapbook. That, so that happens some, to be fair, that happens sometimes in giveaway. You'll know this in radio, you give away tickets, they don't always get used. Oh, yeah, I totally understand. It's yeah. part of the game, but I uh, had a good time. Uh, good crowd, big crowd. Yeah, well, of course, not as big as the actual homecoming. It was about 18,500, mm, yeah, uh, which I think, f- considering where the Warriors are at this season, I think that's pretty good. I think if the Warriors had been playing every game at home, that definitely would have been that much. Yes, of course. Uh, but being the storm on a Friday night, uh, good good, good turnout, I, I felt. And uh, the Warriors were in that contest. Uh, second half just got off to a bit of a bad start in that second half and couldn't recover. Nah. No, exactly. It was, it was one of those games. It was never. I don't. Th- I don't think anyone believed the Warriors were going to win that game. And the Storm are not going to lose five in a row. I mean, four was ridiculous. Five is just not going to happen, especially against um, the Warriors. Uh, but yeah, we'll get into some league talk later. You might want to talk about it now. That totally fine. But of course, Big Ben. The topic of the the moment is the Commonwealth Games. Now, later on, folks, we're going to delve back. We're going to play a couple of classic tunes from the past, which will. Bring back and inspire the love for the Commonwealth Games. Now, Big Ben, uh, the main Commonwealth Games for me when I was growing up was the 74 Commonwealth Games in Christchurch, all right? And because I don't, because maybe we only had two channels or was it three at that, that stage, everyone watched it. Everyone was watching the Commonwealth Games. It was just, the th- you know, John Walker, Philbert by amazing. Dick Taylor, unbelievable, you know. All these things we saw, just phenomenal. And what was good for me was I was lucky because we just had some neighbours who had uh, just moved in, Mr Barnes, Bill Barnes from Scotland, and his wife May. And he was an older, older man, like we'd be into his 60s or 70s by then. Um, he'd come over from Scotland and a big Scottish accent. He actually played for Partick Thistle and the Wraith Rovers back in the day. So we got on because I played football. out. I kicked the ball out on the street and he was, you know, he would always be watching the telly. But they, they had a colour TV. And this, I think this was the year that colour TVs came in. So we, I'd never seen it. What, what is this thing? It was unbelievable. So I would always be making excuses to go around there and, you know, do you want some fruit, Mr. Bun? You need some sugar, Mr. Oh, the TVs. Oh, what's that you're watching? And so we watched his colour TV. And it was so good. And the funny part was because his eyesight was diminishing, he'd literally sit about two feet from the TV screen. So I'd be sitting there beside him two feet from the TV screen watching the Commonwealth Games. Absolute gold, Ben. First, mm. Firstly, yeah. uh, I wasn't around back then, so no. I don't know how many TV channels there were. There weren't many. I also don't even know if my family was in New Zealand uh, oh. in 1974, so I, wow. I, I can't comment about the, the vibes okay. of uh, things in Aotearoa back then either. So wow. I've just been given a bit of a history lesson. Okay, you have been, and it was a fantastic games, and if you've got any memories from those games, we'd love to, if you maybe, maybe you were in Christchurch. Uh, at those games, we'd love to hear those um, as well. But Ben, uh, I do believe we we might as well get our first break out of the way, and then we can get uh, Hamish sorted. Do you think that's a good idea? Then we can have a good chat to him. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Let, let's do that now. Let's get this first one out of the way. Get Hamish teed up. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Keep it going, Ben. The 
peace and love, Ben. Do you this is the 74 Commonwealth Games song. Steve Allen, join together. Keep it going, Ben. Once every four years. That's right. See that? It's in Christchurch. Shoots around the earth. Come on. Joy together. Come on, Ben. To fill the air. It's time for every race and creed. I love it. Fostering the peace and love. There you go. Thank you very much, Steve Allen. There you go, folks. There's a, a, a walk down memory lane for your joined together, Ben. The uh, Commonwealth Games song from 1974. And uh, on the line now joining us is a man. I'm pretty sure he's going to remember that one. It's a uh, sports journal, Hamish uh, Bidwell. Hamish, uh, good evening to you, mate. Good evening. It predates me slightly. I'm 1975. Ah, oh, jingle bell. So you but just it, missed it's it. An, it's an honour to be with you. Um, yeah. I love funny visits were at school. Mormon oh. the Mormon. Um, <laughs> the the messy boys are on the piss again, oh, all the, that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> it's been a very, very stiff uh Christine rugby meeting one afternoon and yeah. a friend of mine just turned to me, coaches up the front waffling on, he just turned to me, Oh messy boys are. <laughs> yeah, no, it was um, oh, yeah, that, gold, bro. That's hilarious, Hamish. Hey, thank you so much for that, mate. I really, really appreciate that. Yeah, they were great times, all right. And, um, yeah, the touring was even better. Hey, Hamish, uh, turning to all things sport, Benny's uh, giving me a bit of a rundown here. We're looking ahead, of course, um, to this weekend's <laughs> game, the, the All Blacks versus the uh, the Springboks. How much pressure is uh, on the team, especially Coach Ian Foster? Well, his boss said that he's the coach for these two games and then all bets are off, so... Quite a lot, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a shame they're not playing Tonga or Fiji. You know, they can't put a hundred points on. Um, <laughs> it's good though. Like, it's interesting because um, winning sort of masks all problems. But once you start losing, then people come out of the woodwork. Whether they're Steve Hansen, whether they're yeah. a former NZR staffer like Mike Jaspers, whether they're dribblers like me, whether they're ex-players, because <laughs> NZR and the All Blacks treat people really poorly. And people have to put up with it because they're so successful and to get access to them, to get the things that you need to do your job, you have to bow and scrape to them at all times. But when the the empire crumbles a bit and the edifice starts to, 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 to fall, then people start sniping and we've had heaps of that. And, you know, yeah. the way that NZR handled their comms, the decision-making they've made, um, it's got really sort of untidy and it's just encouraged more and more people who wouldn't normally find their voice to, to find it and, and to be critical and it all just keeps more and more pressure upon Foster made worse yeah by his boss who said on Saturday he's coached for these two games yeah look now you're absolutely right and from the feeling I get around here as well that many people much like you were saying they're very difficult to deal with the comms especially I remember Radio Sport they said similar things as well so that culture that that's obviously been there for quite a while and it certainly didn't help uh, after that uh, second loss against Ireland when they didn't front you can that be can that be undone? Is is there a way back for the for the All Blacks in this one, Hamish? Well, I'm not optimistic because I'm not a fan. Like I don't mm. I don't care about the team. If they never won again, I wouldn't bother me in the slightest. But mm. um, I do like a dollar, so it's my turn for the betting syndicate, and I've got the All Blacks at 13 plus to win this game. Oh, um, the odds were good, certainly better than one to twelve or the box, you know, by one to twelve or of something. Course. So. 
But no, in all seriousness, mm. though, I mean, I thought we would get um, in the second or the you know the last test at Sky Stadium against Ireland. I thought they'd had a tough week. Um, criticism of, of Kane and Foster had sort of ramped up. The team were under the pump. I thought they produced a really emphatic and cohesive performance that week. They didn't. Yeah. And feed income if they don't this week. I mean, this this has to be the circumstances when after everything that's gone on, if Foster has any. Uh, designs on remaining coach, if the team have any time for him, if they even have any pride in themselves, they'll produce a hell of an All Blacks performance. And if they don't, well, they'll get what's coming to them. But on that basis, the pressure that's on, oh, it's on them, the scrutiny, um, the call for people's heads, I'd assume that they're going to play really well. Yeah, that's very interesting. And, of course, Jeff Wilson has uh, come out with his comments about Razor. I'll just read you the quote here. The trouble, this is what Jeff Wilson said, the trouble is that Scott Robinson has come out and said he wants to win two Rugby World Cups with two different teams. He wants to get the opportunity to coach at the international level. It's interesting he said that when he's actually under contract with New Zealand Rugby. I find that difficult. The fact that he's going to coach the Barbarians, I think he had the opportunity to coach the All Blacks 15. He turned that down. So we know exactly where Scott Robinson sits right now. His expectations are that he wants to go to the next level. What do you read into that, uh, Hamish? Well, he, he, I mean, he's, he's got a year to go on his contract. He's got, a, as far as I'm aware, a clause to say if by next year they haven't employed him, he's free to go. So mm. uh, he's advertising. And why wouldn't he? Like, I feel sorry for him. He was made a fool of. I mm. mean, every coach in the world realised that there was not going to be a contestable process to replace Steve Hansen. It was a coronation. And mm. Foster was succeeding uh, handsome, but they needed a sap to make it look like it was a proper process when it never was. Nah. And poor old Scott, maybe he's too optimistic, but he put his name up and he was the last man standing and he's remained the last man standing because no one in their right mind has wanted to get into bed with NZR. I think if there were credible candidates beyond Robertson who wanted to get involved with the team, we'd have seen a change already, but no one wants to... Um, get involved with New Zealand Rugby, which is a hell of an indictment upon them and, and indicative of what or supports what Steve Hansen said about the organisation last week. Like, it, it's not well run. Um, the connection between them and the coaching and playing personnel is, uh, is non-existent or certainly strained. Mm. Um, and people don't want to be involved. And so Robertson, yeah, he needs to get on his bike. He probably should have gone already. Um, it's, it's incredible that we've only got two options to be the all-black coach. Like, surely it's the most sought-after job in the world. And yet we've got Scott Robertson, who people are a little bit unsure of, because he's quirky, let's be fair, yep. and Foster, who no one rates. Like, you'd think we could do better than that. So, um, would Robertson cure all their ills? He'd be better than Foster. But he needs to, you know, be realistic that perhaps his face doesn't fit around there and he needs to, to find someone else who will employ him. Yeah, I, I was thinking about it too. I mean, I know when they when it when it was like you say the contest for those two. Most people in New Zealand we wanted Scott Robinson. It was time for change. Ended up as you say, it was an anointment of the next guy coming in. For me, it reminded me a little bit in two thousand and seven when most of the public. I know I was one of them. Wanted Graham Henry gone and Robbie Deans brought in, but the uh, they stuck with the tried and true, and they stuck with uh, Graham Henry. But even Brent Impey, the former chairman, who's gone now with the health problems and what have you, like mm. he, he trumpeted it. So we've had 26 outstanding candidates, you know, <laughs> for, the, for the vacant That's position. Right. We ended up with X and Y. It didn't look like 26 to me. <laughs> and neither of them particularly credible. I mean, Robertson's done amazingly well, but didn't blow your socks off, did it? So, yeah, no. Nah. I mean, and as for Jeff Wilson, Jeff's one of the few, and I don't want to be critical of Jeff, but Jeff is one of the few who hasn't been emboldened 
by the All Blacks' troubles. He's still singing from the hymn sheet, and mm. good luck to him. Um, you know, put his hand on his phone and, and talk about New Zealand rugby and the All Blacks and reverence times, and mm. wonderful. That's fantastic. But I think, you know, I think it ignores what's actually happening at the moment. Yeah, no, you're right. It's very interesting for uh, ex-players, that's for sure. And I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll, we'll change... Uh, well, no, we won't change gears a bit, because... I think one good thing that they have done is maybe they have sucked the Coomera a bit by realising they did need to make some change. OK, there are a couple of scapegoats, but they brought Jason Ryan in, and that was the man that Scott Robinson wanted to bring in, and the Crusaders have had so much uh, you know, good news with him there. And his first press conference, he knocks it out of the park. That, to me, that, that's, a, that's a great signing, even if Foster's just a puppet leader, and if Joe Schmidt and Ryan run the side and the All Blacks win, I'll be happy with that. I'd have like tell me this afternoon that Ryan's a Trojan horse. He's like the advanced army of Razor, and uh, Razor's advanced army. And, uh, and then Mark Robinson, Robinson, it all goes sits up in Africa. And go well, look, we've prepared the groundwork. We've already got Jason Ryan and Scott, and here comes Scott Robinson for his <laughs> Oh man, that will be so good. Hey, look. Also, look, we'll, we'll change gears a bit now with the Commonwealth Games, and we'll start with the bad news first. We're on a rugby bent. Let's keep going. Um, the sevens. Bronze medals, is that a pass or not a pass? It's a pass for the dudes. Mm. That's about their level. Uh, for the ladies, it's a disappointment. But I don't I don't hold them wholly responsible. Then, uh, without being a broken record, I go back to New Zealand rugby. Mm. Like, uh, oh, I think there's been six World Series events this year. The Black Twins have complete, uh, competed in two, where they've been second and first. Mm. And so I don't think they've had the preparation. And it's the bit that annoys me with that is... Um, NZ Rugby and a few media folk will tell us that we all have to put our hands in our hearts and weep for the Black Ferns. They're the greatest sports team in the world. What a magnificent bunch of women. Fantastic. But when the rubber hits the road, NZR aren't there. You know, they, mm. they, they, they revel in their success, but they don't do anything to, um, to promote it or to, um, to continue it. They, they haven't put the, the team on the road. They haven't supported them. They haven't got them enough events to play in to get ready to defend their title. So I actually think that in the circumstances, they've done all right. And I think, unlike the All Blacks, they'll recover because they have a great culture. They have an yes. outstanding leader and captain, Sarah Hirony. It's a shame that their um, their coach, or one of their co-coaches, Alan Bunting, has been required for 15 aside duties. He's a, he's a big loss, but mm. I think there's enough within that camp for them to, to remain the preeminent seventh team uh, from New Zealand. And, and to be frank, one of the best sports teams in the world. Like, they... They have a bar of excellence that few can, few other teams in any code can reach. They're, they're a remarkable bunch of women. And, and for that reason, I'm disappointed that the governing body, I don't think, has done enough to support them over the years. No, no, fair enough. Good point. And also, like, that's, let's put that to one side. Now, the Commonwealth Games, the good news, that we've started with a hiss and a roar, uh, Hamish, and I can't remember a better start to this Commonwealth Games. We'll kick off um, with the cycling out of the blocks Gold, gold, gold's everywhere. Did you see this coming, or did you have any inside oil? I didn't even see it. I haven't watched it. So oh. I couldn't care less. I have to be honest about it. I'm sorry. But like, I know that you meant to no, that's all right. get your New Zealand flag out and wave it really strongly, but I don't care. Like, um, 1982, I watched quite a lot of. Yes. 1990, when it was here, I watched plenty of. Right. Um, but no, I don't care about the cold month. Can, can so I... When I you know, you know, can I ask you what what is the disconnect? Is it just it's just it's not a, a, a it's not a full contest? It's not the world. What what what's the why don't you why don't you give a rat? I have found mm. 
that having been a sports writer for decades, yeah. that my love of sport is basically nil. Like, I've, do you know what I mean? People assume that if you make pies for a living, you know, you just can't wait to get home and get stuck into another bloody steak and cheese. But, like, when, when sport or your hobby becomes your job, like, you just get bloody sick of it. And I so unless you. it's something that I'm really interested in or it's something compelling, yeah, oh, I just can't be bothered. And, and the, the nationalism part turns me off. Like, I'm not... I'm not so wound up on this is the second rate event or mm. any of that kind of stuff because I just I just don't care. So good on the athletes. It's a big deal for them. It's a huge deal for their families. I know a a man here who's over watching his grandson play and for the Black Sticks, and it's just it's amazing for that family. And they're all there and they're all delighted. But it doesn't spin my wheels, mate. Oh, no, look, it's good to know. I mean, that's the thing. I'm into it, but that doesn't mean everyone is. And I'm sure there's many others like yourselves who just said, as, oh, oh, whatever. I What I like about it is just some of the some of the events you don't see very Like, I love, I get drawn into the track cycling, like the sprinting. I don't know why I like that. I just do. It's just some of those things. You go, wow, that's pretty. And look, some of the crashes, let's be honest, they're pretty good too. But uh, yeah, we shouldn't dwell on that. What about, uh, I'll, I'll let you leave now. No, but I'll just, yeah. I'll, I'll come on. Like a, sure. a year or two ago, I went to see Gary Anderson and Wanganui who had won three golds on the track at Auckland in 1990. And I was 15 then. I was right in my sweet spot in terms of being a fan of sport. Yeah. And in that time, as you'll remember, we didn't have saturation sports coverage. If no. It was on TV. It was a pretty rare event, and you tuned in. And yeah. Like, he was absolutely heroic figure to me, and I was thrilled to meet him, thrilled to interview him. Um, reveled in his stories about how hard he, he worked and, 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 and what a thrill it was to win those those goals. But as you sort of, as I've grown up, i just become less enthused. And it's not... Not a knock on anyone or anything. It's just that's how I feel. Look, Hamish, I love what you're saying, mate. You you sound like a man who doesn't hold back. I'll leave you with um, a couple of league questions. Did you what? Did you watch a bit of league on the weekend? I did. Yeah, I do like regular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too, man. What did you make of this whole Nelson uh, Sofa Solomona um, Wade Egan thing? What's your take on it? Well, it feeds into a narrative that the Storm are grubs and routinely get away with foul play, mm. um, and they'd be. Multiple examples, including himself, um, Felice Cafusi. Uh, yeah, they they have a reputation. I'm not sure it's defensible that he wasn't charged for what he did on the weekend. Mm. Um, I get that it was an emotional game for the Storm, like coming off what four losses on the trot. Yeah, uh, big return home to some of the Kiwi blokes like Asafa Solomona, but indefensible really, and should have been charged. And um, like that's it's all part of the rugby league merry-go-round, isn't it? Like if it weren't for bunkers and it weren't for match review committees, <laughs> there'd be things to talk about, but not as many. Like that's it's almost part of the fabric of the game. I'm not saying they, they purposely get these things wrong, like the West Tigers thing and the Cowboys last week, but it all adds to the to the mix, oh. doesn't it? And it adds, <laughs> you know, headline fodder gets people talking it, it, and it keeps the game on the forefront. You're absolutely right, mate. I, I'm the same. As much as I go, oh, that bloody bunker's useless, it gives you so many talking points because, you know, some of the, th- the mistakes they make, the things they make, and the commentator is saying one thing, then the bunker does another thing, or vice versa. It's just, yeah, it, it's it's added another element to the game. Good or bad, I'm not sure. Uh, but, yeah, I certainly enjoy it. And what about um, Nathan Cleary? How do you think that affects the Panthers? It, it, it's good news for the Panthers. He gets a breather, comes back before the finals refreshed. Yeah, I think so, especially when he's got Luai as halves partner out injured too. I think it's actually handy for them. They come off a, a heavy origin campaign. And mm. it, again, it's just something else to keep other teams enthused, other fans enthused. Like, can we tip the Panthers over this week? Are we maybe a chance of sneaking into the eight? Like, all of that creates interest. And like, 
on their best day. I think Penrith are easily the, the premiers this year. I think it would be really hard for anyone to beat them. And I don't think in any way, shape or form that having Cleary and Luai out will, um, will diminish their thing. It was interesting. I was listening to Aaron Woods just before you oh, yeah. called Aaron Woods the, the Dragons prop. He was on radio in Sydney. Yeah. And Nathan Cleary came out on Instagram after the tackle. So oh, it's not my go. I'm a clean player. It was a hell of an accident. And um, Aaron Woods was actually saying Bulldust. You've, you've committed foul play before. Uh, the squeaky boy, quiet boy stuff doesn't wash with me. It was a grubby tackle, and you deserve to get it marched and or you, and uh, and suspended. And I don't know why everyone's rallying around Nathan and saying it's not his goal and he's a lovely boy because the evidence suggests otherwise. So that's all good too. A bit of niggle. Absolutely. Another guy's in the NRL at another <laughs> club say actually. You're full of it. <laughs> it's a game that keeps on giving. It is a game. And yeah, and, and also because it's one of those things that's, that's so inconsistent with their rulings. You know, it, it's just every week there's something new, that's for sure. Hey, Hamish, I have got another call of the day I have to get uh, to in Australia. But, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you, pal. And uh, if I'm ever down your way, wherever you are, the Massey boys might have to uh, get together, eh? <laughs> I've never looked at a Mormon the same way since. So thank you very much. They're all Norman the Mormon tonight. Thanks, Hamish. Love it, mate. There you go. Very Hamish uh, Bidwell with his thoughts. And, yes, yeah, some really good ones. I love the honesty. That's what we want here, folks, honesty. You don't have to love the games. You don't want it. That's cool. Hey, no sweat. Um, but, yeah, well done, Hamish, and uh, great chatting with you. We'll take a, another break, and, uh, yeah, we'll be back with your thoughts and possibly – are we going to Peter? And we're going to Peter Fairburn from the West Island after this as well. That's, that's one of your best choices yet, Ben. That's – that's one of your best choices. The, the Thunderbirds, that brings back a lot for old Dino. Now, you were... Pro- well, I know you weren't born when the Thunderbirds were playing. Did, did you ever see the original series with the marionettes? Yeah, I, I used to watch it a lot when I was a kid. You did watch yep. it? All the time. Oh. I, I, I actually still go on YouTube and watch it. Do you really? Yep. The, the originals, eh? The originals. Yeah. I Although, when I was young and dumb, I didn't realise they were puppets, but... <laughs> well, you, you, you're a kid, you know. You're a kid, you see things, you go, oh, that must be real. Super Marination. Who was your favourite? Uh, who was your favourite Thunderbird? Scott Virgil. Who was your favourite? I I had a big uh, Thunderbird one model. Scott. Yeah, and okay. I had. A, I remember having like a Tracy Island one as well with like kind of handheld size Thunderbirds. Oh. So I, I I was I was really into it. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. I, Virgil. Virgil was my favourite. Yeah, I just love that big and the palm trees that they went down. And what about Lady Penelope? Oh, she's awesome. Yeah, yeah, my lady. Yeah. I love that. Oh, <laughs> I love that. Milady. I love that. Anyway, look, we could talk Thunderbirds all day, but it's time now to uh, call the the West Island uh, with Pete Fairburn. Pete, are you there, mate? I'm there. I feel like a bit of a, uh, a third wheel as you guys talk about Thunderbirds, but no, always great to, uh, to be on the show. I didn't realise Thunderbirds had only just landed in New Zealand. We had it over, of course, in Australia. Um, we've had it for, for decades, but good of you guys to catch up. Yeah, you know what it's like over here, mate. You know, we're just, we're just getting microwave ovens. It's been a long time, but we're, we're getting there. Hey, look, I knew you, look, to be fair, Pete, I knew, I knew you'd be pretty, uh, not, not full, but you'd be, be flying high at the moment, especially with the, uh, the Commonwealth Games and, and Australia. Just, I mean, you got, we've got off to a great start, but you guys are on absolute fire. It's unbelievable. Yeah, we're going okay. We're going okay. I mean, the, the time zone's not as, as friendly as it was for the Tokyo Olympics. And, and look, it's, um, it is it is Olympic light, but there's been plenty of fantastic performances to uh, to take in. We're looking really good in the pool. Um, but the one I enjoyed the most was, was obviously the, the women's rugby sevens this morning, getting up at 5.30 and had my little two-and-a-half-year-old boy who didn't realise that 
um, in his words, ladies played rugby. So he thought that was pretty cool as well. Um, but having had the ability to, or, or the good fortune, I should say, to get to know a number of those Australian women's sevens players over the journey, and it has been a journey because for a lot of them, they were around in 2015 when the Aussie team won the World Series for the first time and then followed up with gold in Rio. And, and since then, there was the disappointment in 2018 in the Com Games going down to New Zealand in the final yes. in extra time. The, the Blackburn's dominance of the World Series for quite some time. Tokyo, the Aussie girls, you know, really, really disappointing there, losing the, the quarterfinal to Fiji in a major upset. And mm. They've come back this year, won the World Series for the first time in, in four seasons. And yes, New Zealand didn't play a full series, but to, to vanquish our, our Kiwi sisters um, in the semi-final in, in another cracking encounter, gee, they're good to watch when Australia and New Zealand go toe-to-toe in, in women's sevens. Um, and then put forward a really professional performance against the Fijians in the final, that was one that got me pretty excited. Oh, look, uh, and understandable. I mean, obviously over here, it's, it's our family is a little bit different because we love the women's seven, sevens team over here is loved. They, you know, they've got a great culture. They carry themselves so well. And also they have been so successful that a lot of us here, maybe we got complacent. We just thought, I know I did. I thought, well, they'll make the final and whoever they play, they'll probably win. But like you say, the, the build-up for the Black Ferns hasn't been, you know, it's been okay. Uh, but it sounds like this Aussie team has been building for a while. And so you weren't too surprised that they made the final, Pete? No, look, I expected them to make the final. Um, and then they went and lost the pool game to Fiji and threw a spanner in the works, which meant they had to face the Blackburns in the semi. And mm. from there, um, you know, not only do I think that was going to be a huge, huge task to beat the Blackburns in the semi, but to then get up again in the final, you know, we, we, it's a like the, the 2019 Men's Rugby World Cup when we saw the English were so good against the All Blacks and then they had nothing left in the tank against the Springboks the following week. There was a bit of a worry from my end for um, having already lost to the Fijians in that quarterfinal in, in, in uh, Tokyo, then yeah. losing to the Fijians and the pool stage is here. Um, even if we were able to get up against the Black Ferns, that, you know, what type of, of um, emotional damage would that have done? And how spent would they be physically heading into the final? But it was a really sharp performance in the final and uh, you know, a couple of early tries to really take the edge off. And from there, you know, really they coasted through. But there's huge respect for the Black Ferns over here as well within the rugby community. We love the way that um, there's genuine companionship between the yes. Aussie Sevens girls and the Black Ferns. It's, it's very different to a, a Bledisloe-style rivalry. There's, there's really universal respect and, and two teams who continue to push each other to go um, you know, better and better and stronger and stronger. Um, mm. So we got the jockeys this time, but there's a, a Rugby Sevens World Cup um, still to come over in Cape Town in not too long. And, and then, of course, another Olympic Games only two years ago. So that rivalry will only continue to grow. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, one of the big talking points here, and it's, you normally wouldn't say this, but it's Portia Woodman's hair. Um you know, she's admitted herself she she should have tied it up. I think we all could have agreed with that. But that was such a bizarre moment, wasn't it? It was, and it yeah, you know, we've see, you see that every now and then in rugby sevens or, or you know any contact sport that the females playing you know, NRLW. We've seen it as well. AFLW, I think I've seen it as well. So mm. it was bizarre. Um, look, I don't think it was it was the difference at the end of the day. Um, you know whether. Whether Australia got the yellow card or not, I think the right team got through. But mm. I was thinking about it today. I, I just, I reckon in rugby sevens, I, I really do still think that there's a real missed opportunity at a global level 
um, to make the most of what a wonderful sport Rugby Sevens is. And you yep. look at it yep. at a Commonwealth Games or at an Olympic Games, there's no major differentiation between those tournaments and the, the World Seven Series. And mm. A lot of us follow, mm. um, but, but probably aren't considered mainstream sports. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a couple of things to ponder here. Right? Oh, I, lo- I love One, a ponder. Yes. Okay, right. We've got true gender equality in a sport, not a sport chasing gender equality, one that already has it. Number two, yep. we've already got full-time professional athletes in multiple countries. Number three, it's an Olympic sport, so it's already played on the biggest stage in the world. Mm. Number four, most importantly, um, this is a sport that is snackable content. It's what the young generation want. They yes. want to be able to consume everything in 20 minutes. You know, yep. they, they watch... Movies on 1.5 speed. They listen to podcasts on two times speed because they couldn't dare give up 40 minutes in their day. We've got this epic end-to-end thrilling contest that only takes 20 minutes for a game. I feel like someone's missed a trick somewhere out there and I, I wonder whether you know Silver Lake and CVC and all these big private equity businesses investing so much in sport. Wouldn't you love someone to buy... You know, the, or, or to set up a, a rugby sevens, maybe a franchise-based tournament. You could have boys teams, girls teams. You could have, uh, you know, a, a Porsche Woodman playing yep. alongside Charlotte Catholic for a team based out of, of Singapore. Wouldn't it be unbelievable? Oh, I reckon there's something in it. I, I totally agree with you, Peter. I think that would be fantastic. It is. It's a growth game. And to me, sevens is, sevens is more of a world game than fifteens is. You know, sevens is everywhere, and there's level. You know, there, there's more teams can win it. You know, Kenya, America, you know, Canada. There's all these different teams, and like you say, it's snackable content, short, easy, fast, very watchable. Um, we need to get some. We need to get the right people involved, Pete. We've got to find the money men to come on board. Do you know any? Uh, no, I'm probably not the guy, but maybe some of your listeners could help us put together a, you know, a preferred tournament model or something like that. I love your point. It's played everywhere. It's played in every continent. Yeah. Um, you only need you only need seven people on the field and, and a rugby ball. So, um, you know, I'm sure someone smarter than us is, is probably already five <laughs> steps ahead of us. I certainly hope so, because I'd love to see, um, and especially here in Australia, you know, mm. these athletes... Um, you know, they're, they're being chased hard by the NRLW, by the AFLW. Yes. The Levi sisters um, who, who play for Australia, Madison and Tegan Levi, have both already played in the AFLW competition for the Gold Coast Suns. And we've got a number of players who, who played for Australia at those Rio games when we won gold in 2016, mm. who are now superstars of the NRLW competition and have walked away from from Rugby Sevens, and that's walking away from a full-time contract. So yeah. it's hugely competitive, um, and I'd love to see someone make something of it. So all right, it's starting to take off. Hey, also, uh, at the Commonwealth Games, look, you're going to have to give us some backstory on this one, uh, Pete. It, 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 it's like a, a soap opera, a, a, a love triangle. You've got Kyle Chalmers, you've got Emma McEwen, you've got Cody. What is going on with the Aussie swimming team? Yeah, well, neighbours, I don't know if you heard over the digit, you're probably still waiting on the VHS uh, shipment by boat as well, but uh, the world-renowned soap opera Neighbours came to an end last week here in Australia. Yes, and the Australian swimming team have, have gone, do you know what, we'll fill the void. We've got a bit of a, a love triangle of our own to try into the mix. So, look, I'll try and be as succinct as, as I possibly can. But, yes. Um, you've got a situation where Kyle Chalmers, who's um, been one of the, the, the best Australian swimmers, really, of the last seven or eight years, Breakthrough uh, Rio Olympics when he, he won gold in the 100-metre freestyle. He won five medals at the last Com Games, another three at the last Olympics. Mm. Um, you know, he, he's a, an elite swimmer and, and formerly in a relationship with uh, with Emma McKeown, who, mm. of course, is, 
is our greatest Olympic swimmer of all time. And, and that relationship has, has come to an end. And, and she's now in a relationship with another member of the Australian swim team. Oh he goes by the name of Cody Simpson. Yeah. He is a former pop star who dated Miley Cyrus, amongst others. Oh, dear. Swam in his youth and has given up the glitz and the glamour of life in Hollywood. And he's, he's a genuine pop star. This is not a one-hit wonder from an Australian idol. This is a guy who spent years living in Hollywood and, and performing on the biggest stages and oh, decided to come back and return to his true love of swimming and wanted to compete at the highest level. He's, it's quite remarkable that he's been able to do so after so many years out of the pool. And yeah. there, was, there were some dramas around qualification for the Games. Chalmers decided to swim in uh, some events he hadn't swum in for a little while and hadn't forecast he was going to and that was interpreted as he was only swimming in them so Cody Simpson, his ex-girlfriend's new boyfriend wouldn't qualify, this, that and the other. Anyway, it's all been blowing up and, and Kyle Chalmers um, has hit out at media. Um, he's won two golds at, at this Com Games already, both in relays in the 4x100 the mix, which is the male and female swimming together. Yeah. Also in the 4x100, there's been uh, in-depth analysis of, of how he's in, interacted with his former partner, Emma McKeown, after winning uh, together, you know, that he didn't engage with her and this, that and the other. And he's basically said, hey, you know what, I've had enough. My mental health is, is copping a hammering from mm. this constant media speculation. Journalists don't respect athletes. You put us through the ringer. I'm sick and tired of it. I didn't sign up for this part of it. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty close to wanting to just get out of here. It's, Look, it's been quite galling to follow from afar, and, and wow. I, I don't, uh, I don't want to downplay, no. you know, a genuine cry for help. I mean, you only have to look across. Um, you know, it, it's a sport that requires so much emotional investment and so much, um, you know, fortitude and strength to to be successful in already. You know, from a, a commitment type of, uh, you know, what you have to do to be an elite swimmer and. and the hours and what you have to do for your body and getting up at four o'clock in the morning. You know, the, the pursuit of, of success in elite swimming is is almost unrivaled across most other sports. You know, you'd put it on the same kind of levels as your tennis players and this sort yeah. of thing. And, um, he only has to look across, you know, we've got um, Australian swimming legend Kate Campbell doing the, the pool deck interviews for uh, for the broadcast network over here for the Commonwealth Games. And, and she revealed her own mental health battles, um, I think, four weeks four weeks before Tokyo she was diagnosed and um, you know, this is a woman who seems to be one of the most together with it athletes anywhere in the world and, and she's revealed what a toll the sport played with her so look I, I, I have genuine sympathy for, for Kyle Chalmers and clearly his personal yeah. uh, situation has, has you know crept into the space where his, his swimming was being critiqued. The other flip side of it is that journalists have got a job to do um, <laughs> Absolutely you know, we, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to be surprising anyone when I don't when I say we don't have a fleet of professional swimming journalists anymore. <laughs> Unfortunately, outside the biggest three or four sports in Australia, we have a diminishing number of journalists. Journalists are expected to be increasingly flexible and agile across numerous sports, across niche and boutique sports. Mm. If you're not an AFL, a cricket, a rugby league, um, or a racing journalist, you're pretty much expected to be able to cover any other sport, and that's mm. the reality of it. Um, and and look, the the reality as well is that the Verity scores and 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 clicks and um, newspaper sales is what keeps these journalists in jobs. Um, yeah. So they do have a job to do, and they do need to keep the public up to date with what's going on. This is a newsworthy story, and 
um, I don't know the solution. I don't have exactly what the balance is and, and, and where, uh, you know, where the story should stop and, and where it should, you know, where it's fair play. But fascinating to watch. Obviously, we hope, um, you know, desperately that Cole Chalmers is okay and that he can go on to continue to perform at such an elite level and, and represent his country with pride. Um, well, yeah. But also that, you know, hopefully there's, there's a degree of, of realisation that, that, you know, most journalists are probably trying to approach this in as respectful a way as they possibly can, but they also have to do their job. Yeah, and well, look, we'll keep an eye on it, uh, absolutely, Pete. And look, we're running out of time. We've got about 90 seconds, but I know you want to get into um, the Manly Sea Eagles and the NRL. Can you condense that down for us? What's your thoughts there? Uh, 90 seconds is very tough, but I've been fortunate enough to, uh, to be involved in some apparel design processes before. Um, quite simply, this was a failure by by mm. the football club to, to consult enough people along the journey, you know, the journey, and it was a journey of multiple months. Um, I, I feel incredibly sorry for for anybody who um, is from the, the LBGQI plus community mm. who um, who feels unsupported and, and feels let down and, and and feels alone as a result of what's happened. At the same time, I have genuine sympathy for players who. Um, felt that they were put in a position where they had no choice because of their beliefs, but to say they weren't comfortable wearing that jersey. I, I just think it's um, you know a really great example of um, protocols and processes not being followed, so avoidable, and, and most importantly, mm. what a shame that this overshadowed women in league round. Yeah. I, I read an article on the weekend that said only in the NRL could a furor over a pride jersey be taking place as we're actually meant to be celebrating women in league rounds. And I thought that was really appropriate. You know what? I think that sums it up. Hey, Pete, always a pleasure speaking with you, mate, and uh, enjoy the rest of the Com games, eh? Thanks, mate. Enjoy the Thunderbirds, and uh, we'll see if we can get some copies of MASH and Hogan's Heroes across as well. That will be delicious, mate. Delight. We'll send them over on the Seagull, brother. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, thanks. There you go, Pete Fairburn. Always a pleasure calling from the West Island. We better take a break, Ben. Welcome back into SENZ Extra Time. Dean Butler with you here tonight, filling in for uh, Ricardo Ball. Hey, thank you to uh, my guests uh, this hour, Hamish Bidwell and uh, Pete Fairburn. After 8 o'clock, we will be talking with Del Woodford, uh, all things track cycling. Plus, we'll be taking any of your calls. If you've got anything you want to add, uh, 0800 150 is the number to call, 0800 150 Or you can, of course, text double eight double three double eight double three. A couple of topics we got going in that hour, of course, was this uh, this love triangle in the in the Aussie swimming? What is going on there? Portia Woodman's hair. What is going on with the hair in sport at the moment? Maybe maybe that's a, a topic we could get into, or or anything else that the NRL. That's always uh, that's good for talking. That's for sure. But yeah, we'll be back uh, with more of your thoughts. And Adele Woodford will be joining us after eight o'clock. So good, Ben. Welcome, Dano. Hello, father. Great tune, Ben. Great, great tune. Welcome into SENZ Extra Time. Dean Butler with you here tonight, filling in for um, Ricardo Ball. Ricky's having a sickie, and Big Ben is on the buttons. And Ben, I believe you have an anecdote about that theme song? Well, I have never seen the TV show, admittedly. Oh, for God's sake. Okay. You just just slammed that pen down with authority. But... I know I know this theme song well. As people know, I'm very big on the darts. And you are. You love your darts. I love my, love my darts. Mm. 
Uh, and there's a one player now turned commenta- uh, commentator, Wayne Mardle, who, yeah. who used to walk out to that song. So he was known as Hawaii 501. Which oh. is, and he used to walk out to, with the Hawaiian shirt, he used to walk out with the, the flower uh, necklace sort of thing and, uh, with the song. And uh, that, that's kind of how I know it. I didn't realise it was the theme tune for... Uh, <laughs> For a, for a TV for show. For a TV show. You didn't had you had no idea until after that was the that, the backstory that came once you knew you was Hawaii five oh one for your darts player. Yeah, I've actually I, I'm actually li- I'm actually listening to his book at the moment where he tweet where he spoke about how it came about and how the nickname and how all of it came together. So that you know it's quite cool. I'm not one for reading books, I'm more one for listening for books. You know what? That's not such a crazy I'm not a big I've tried to read books and I can do. I've read a couple lately, the old classics. Um, but I still struggle to remember the full thing. I think I'd like the the listening book as well. Well, the thing I like about it too is for just as an example, driving into work, I'll listen to the book or I'm doing dishes, not listen to my book. Uh, started doing it during lockdown, uh, the initial first lockdown in 2020. Uh, so I, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy listening to books. Uh, I feel like I'm just a bit more engaged. I, I just, I'm not one yet, as I say, I'm not one for reading. Yeah. So currently in the in the middle of listening to his book again, I often will go through, just go back through what I've gotten. Yeah, well, I, I'm the same. I like reading biographies sometimes of various sports people back in the day. But I also, you mentioned the darts. The dart, was the darts final just on recently, Ben? What was the one we saw in the UK with Van Gerwen? What was that one? Uh, that was the World Match Play final. That was it? That was it. Now, did you watch that one? Of course I did. Of course you did. I was all over it. And were you surprised, unsurprised? Heading into the final, uh, I was picking Gerwin Price, who had become world number one and was the favourite. That's the one you told me about who's a little bit controversial sometimes. Yeah, he's uh, huge. Yeah. In terms of like solid, not mm. not fat, because he used to be a professional rugby player, which I think I've told you about as well. Yes. Uh, and just the way that both guys have been going in the tournament at that stage, I thought you know Gerwin Price would be able to uh, you know take it. Van Gerwen was scoring well, wasn't really hitting the doubles, but then when he started hitting his doubles, he was unstoppable. He he never led until I think he took the lead at fifteen fourteen in a race to eighteen. Yeah, I I I start I tuned over a couple of times over the two-week period, however long it was, and I saw a few games. I fluked it onto the final, and Van Gerwen got quite a way ahead, but then it was like he was choking his way to the finish line. He got there, as you say, but, boy, it was close. Well, the fascinating thing as well was the exact same scenario in his semi-final against uh, Belgium, Dimitri Vandenberg. Mm-hmm. So he's he's now, he's now coming to New Zealand, Dimitri. He wasn't initially, but Peter Wright's out, so Dimitri's coming. Oh, so there's one coming up this month? Yeah, it's coming up later this month. Right. So... Van Gerwen took the lead. I think that was a race to 17, and he took the lead when it was 15-14 uh, as well. So he took the lead at the exact <laughs> same moment of the game and wow. just finished strong. Wow. Now let me ask you some questions then. Before, uh, If you want to uh, comment, you can, folks, double eight double three on the text line or give us a call, 0800 We'll talk about anything uh, you want to. When I watch the darts, Ben, sometimes you know, obviously you go for your triple 20s, but why is it sometimes they go from there to the triple 19s? Or why do they suddenly go down? What's the what's the thinking? What's the theory? Sorry, can, is it okay if I step away and just grab my science coat, my white coat? Yeah, oh, <laughs> of course. Please grab your coat and, and explain. Yeah, all right, you go full nerd on us. Yeah, full, full nerd. Full nerd. Okay, here we so, go. So, in in darts, uh, when you so your general target, you you watch all the pros go for is the triple twenty. Yeah. But it, if they decide to switch, it could be due to a score they want to leave. 
or it could be just due to the way the dart's sitting in the board. So everyone throws the dart differently, and because all darts have different weights, sizes. Yes, they said that in the dif- final, yeah. Different flight shapes, everything. Everyone has a preference in how they like the darts to sit in the board. If you watch Phil Taylor, he likes his darts to sit perfectly flat. Right, just like that, so straight. Yeah, pretty much just straight. Yeah. Other players will have a bit of a, a lean on them, so they'll kind of stick up a little bit. Like or an angle. On a bit of an angle, yeah. Yeah. So if they throw that dart and it's blocking, so uh, they're thinking, okay, I don't know if I can get another one in that triple 20, that's when they move. I didn't it, it, It's all about the positioning of the dart. You could even throw a dart too low, and it goes below the triple 20, and it's sticking up a little bit, so it's blocking the bed, so then you have to move. Gotcha. Okay, that's a good explanation, Ben. Thank you for that, because I did wonder sometimes, okay, why are they doing that? Well, so sometimes you're just not hitting, hitting that target you want and you're doing better going down towards like a triple 19. So you, you kind of go for what's working. But as I say, when players generally do that, it's because they don't like the way the darts are lying in there. Okay. And it, it just if they were just to throw it there, it could bounce out, could deflect, go into the five or go into the one. So wow. you do have to think about it. And as I say, lots of it can do with your score positioning. Uh, a prime example is, let's say, for argument's sake, you have 268 left, had a triple 20 with the first dart, yeah. had a single 20 with the second dart. Yeah, it's 80. And then if you, got, if you throw the next dart and you hit the single 20, you've got 168 left, which you cannot get a finish on. Oh, okay. So if you've got the 80 and you're in that position, you generally go to, for the 18. So yeah, I've seen you, them do that so, as well. So then you leave 170, which is the biggest finish in the game, but you're on a finish, so you're in a better position as opposed to where if you were to throw that last start at the 20 and leave 168. Very well explained, Ben. And let me ask you, has your new love of darts improved your maths? Oh, it's massive. Like it's it's quite funny, you know. We we're doing the nine dart challenge here at SCNZ, where you throw your nine darts out at your score, mm. and you're meant to send through your video submissions. And we're going to be doing a leaderboard. We're getting people that come in to have a go. Cool. And it's quite funny watching people do it, and they're like sitting there counting, like, and then I'm just like, like just straight away. I I just know it just because I. I, I've learned. I've learned. I've learned the proper way to count. I've. I've. I've learned so many. It's incredible. It's. But it's really weird because I've got a very good skill of counting down from five hundred and one. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask because I'm. I'm pretty good at maths, and you know, and I love to add up numbers as well. But those guys, it's like calculator speed. It's that fast. It's like an automatic. It's almost like we've learned our twelve times tables. They've learned their darts times tables, counting down from five hundred one, and that's what you're kind of getting into. Oh yeah, I, I think I'm, I think I'm pretty decent at it. I think because it, it's all it's all part of your practice. Even when you're out there and you're just having a practice, say you're just doing like a practice one seventy game, you're you're trying to figure out what you're on, and you've got to do it pretty quick because mm. it's it's in the fly. So oh, yeah. So if you throw that first start and it hits a single 20, you think 150, is it sitting right? I'll go down the 19s. I've had a single 19, 131. Another single 19 will be 112. Oh, this is so, good, Ben. So it, it's, it, it all depends on how you set it up and how where you want to be. It's You do have to think quick, but quite often you'll know your kind of score on what you're on. So when you kind of step up, you kind of think, hey, this is what i got to try go for Okay. as well. And do you have a preferred sort of finish like number, is there a number that you like to hit to go out on? Are you at that stage? Oh, you... I, 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 I'm quite a, I'm quite a handy player. I'm, mm. I'm, I'm, I'm no, I'm no. Uh... No, you know, yeah, MVG or anything, but yeah. oh, no, I'm no MVG, but I'm also no. Uh... Yeah, 
dreadful player that, oh, yeah. that, that misses the board. You know, there's quite a few holes on the wall by where the dartboard is. I don't know if the owners of the building will be too happy, but you know, that, that's a story. That's a story for it's a couple. For oh, there's yeah. m- more than a couple. Is there? Is there really? Yeah, there's. Um, I think it's going to fall down. To be honest, who's, who's the worst one here? Oh, I can't name names. I'm not. I'm not that horrible. All I know is that I'm the best. So that's all that matters to me. Uh, so I completely forgot your for, forgot the question. What was uh? And now you've thrown me. There. Oh, you said your favourite number to finish on. Oh yes. If I have to pick it, and this is once again, I'm putting the science coat back on here. I love the I, science coat. And I want to see if you know why. Okay. The most common doubles to finish on are double twenty, yeah. double twelve, and double sixteen. My personal favourite is out of those is double sixteen. Okay. I also like double eighteen, and I like double twenty. But do you know why double sixteen is the most common finish in terms of if you're going for a double? Yeah. Why that's the most double common one? Double sixteen. Is it? I mean, it's thirty two, so that's what you're left with. Is it because you? Is it because of its position? No. Is it its position on the board, or is it the actual? No, I don't know why. Ben. Give me, give me, give me the explanation. Okay, so so you got three darts in your hand. Yeah. You throw out double sixteen, which is thirty two. Yeah. You hit single sixteen. You got sixteen left. So that's hit the single eight. Yeah. You have eight left. You go for your double four. Right. So it's in terms of that. So if you were to go, for, I like double eighteen. But if I had three darts in my hand and I go for double eighteen, I throw the first dart, hits the single eighteen. I've got eighteen left, which means I have to go for double nine. Now you're into odd numbers. If, if I miss double nine and I hit the single nine, I've got one dart left you're and it's stuffed. pretty much just a waste. Yeah. So you go for your double 16 because you have the most opportunities to continually go for it. And it's the same with the 20s. You go 20, 10, 5. I love it. Your 12s, your 12, 6, 3. Yes. Although that's, you don't really want to get stuck no. on the 3. Uh, so it's it's just about giving yourself the best opportunity. It's even like if you go for, let's say, you leave 34 and it's double 17, which is very. Uh, very hard to hit. Yeah. And not many players do leave it to hit. Uh, and if you miss it, you're left on 17, and you've got two darts in your hands, and then you think, okay, I've got to get one dart, it has to hit a single number, and then I've only got one dart at the double. So it's all about giving yourself the best opportunity. As I say, it's about when you, like, save it on 268, you want to hit 98. So mm. then if you're on a finish, you, you might not take it out, but you're in a much better position as if you were as opposed to 168. Ugh. I love it, Ben. Talking maths, sport, uh, that got me going, Ben. I'll tell you that much right now. Got all the maths juices flowing. Absolutely loving it. Uh, it's currently 12 past eight, Ben. I think we better take a, a break. And after the break, we're going to be talking to Mr. Cycling himself, Sir Del Woodford. Welcome back into SENZ Extra Time. Dean Butler with you here tonight, filling in for Ricardo Ball. Producer Big Ben Francis is on the buttons. Give us a call, 0800. Actually, don't give us a call. We've got a guest. Co- well, no, hang on a minute. You can give us a call if you want, 0800 150811. You might want to ask the man himself. Uh, we'll talk. We'll get him on the phone shortly. Del Woodford, if you've got a question for Del, anything to do with the cycling, you can text it in as well, double eight double three, Or as I say, give us a call, 0800 150811. Riding the night away with Jimmy Barnes and my man who's been riding in the nights away lately is Del Woodford. Del, how are you doing, my man? Absolutely brilliant, Dean. How are you? How about you? Oh, mate, it's been a long time since we spoke, Del. A few years, mate. I mean, when I was on Radio Sport, we used to talk all the time. And so, yeah, it's been a, a few years between drinks, mate. How you been? All good? Yeah, no, very good. Yeah, um, yeah. No, missed missed uh, what you're up to and what you're doing. But no, life's been, been pretty good down our, our end of the world. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
I guess it's got a, lo- a little bit better over, over oh. the last uh, you know, 48 hours. <laughs> oh, Dale, look, mate, you know, I like my cycling. You, you love your cycling. Did you did you envisage the first couple of days that we've had with this New Zealand cycling team? It has been unbelievable. You know, Dean, I actually did. Um, did you? The, 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 yeah, yeah, the team, it's a great team. It's a great squad, and... You know, that if you take the men's teams for suit, what they were looking like doing at the Olympics before the crash, um, mm. you know, took, took them out of that competition. Uh, they, they they were always on for something really, really big. And I know Jordan Kirby said to me the other day, this was, you know, felt like a little bit of redemption, but you know, it never really replaces what they missed out on in Tokyo. But that, that ride was, was something else. And, you know, outstanding performance from them. And But I think that, you know, the... The ball started, didn't it, really, with the women's team sprint. Like, yeah. Rebecca Peach, she is just an unbelievable, an unbelievable person. You know, her background, for those that don't know, she's a world BMX uh, superstar. Mm. Went track cycling, so the, the Commonwealth Games is, is probably at best, maybe her third track meeting <laughs> on the velodrome. <laughs> wow. And she's one of the world's best starters. Um, and, and she got that team sprint uh, underway and, you know, then Elise, of course, an Olympic medalist, uh, bringing the team home for the for the gold. I thought that really set the scene brilliantly for for the team, and um, they've just gone on from strength to strength every day. Someone's delivered, and you know, talking to Rebecca, delivering today. You know, fourth in that 500 meter time trial, lying on the bronze medal right up to the last ride, just shows her class. I think that's her a second ever 500 meter time trial. So <laughs> <laughs> she's such a champion, and you know that. My wife said to me the other day, is that Rebecca Peach who's got the coffee cart? And I go, I'm not really sure. How do you, what do you mean? She goes, yeah, she's a BMXer. She was down at, um, by by the Mitre 10 with the coffee cart trying to fundraise to get to a BMX race overseas. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> unreal. But that show, I suppose that just shows you the drive she's got, doesn't she? You know, it's, it's there. She'll do whatever it takes to, to get where she's going to go. Uh, absolutely. Yep, she's... Yeah, I'm just hoping come the Olympics she chooses track cycling over BMX or the programs are, are separated enough that she can do both because, you know, if we lost her, it should be a massive loss. But she's such a superstar in BMX and, you know, it, it is her first love. But um, she's enjoying her experience and I know the track cycling team, I love having her as a part of that team and, you know, that, it's, it's been fantastic. Well, that, um, that's the thing, that's the thing, isn't it? You hear... You know, we always said at these games, there's always names which pop up. And, you know, Elise Andrews, I didn't really, hadn't heard that name before. And now she's a double gold medalist and unlucky silver medalist. You know, it's just. That's right. And an Olympic, she is an Olympic Games bronze medalist. Yes, well. true. Uh, that, silver medalist. Sorry, that's right. Karen, she filled yeah. in, didn't she? Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Just... She won the Kieran medal at, at um, in, uh at the last Olympics, so she's an outstanding sprinter, but did, you're right, filled in because we lost Ellie Wollaston, who crashed on the second stage of the, the Women's Tour de France and um, broke, her, broke her wrist and, you know, was in the operating theatre with the day the teams for suit lined up, and you've got to start with four riders, that's the that's the thing, and I, you know, I don't know the exact makeup and how teams are selected, but I know there's a quota for, for teams, you know, I've heard people you know, say, oh, we should have had a reserve, it just doesn't always work like that, if you haven't no. got someone that can slot in you don't you know you just can't take another athlete because the, you know there's only so many beds in the village and there's an allocation for teams and and, and what you can and can't take and mm. you know it would have been nice for them to have another endurance rider there so at least you know starting at least that the team could um 
you know, compete and, and win that silver medal. And, you know, the anchor of that team, like Bryony Bortha, that is... Her performance has been... Um, we've seen nothing like that from an individual pursuiter since Sarah Ulmer. Well, really? And, and, wow. Yeah, from a New Zealand perspective. Um, I know Alex and Shanks won a world title, but in terms of delivering uh, world's class, close to world best times... Um, We've seen nothing like it. That, that was a sensational ride here, individual pursuit. Backed up, backed up. Two Commonwealth Games records. Um, and, and the big motor in that team, pursuit team that got them through to the ride off for the gold and silver. So she's just been outstanding as well and, you know, really delivered. Yeah, it's it's funny, isn't it? Because, like, there's a name, Bryony Botha. I've never, once again, I hadn't heard of her. And there, as you say, she's now up in the the individual pursuit, the individual pursuit, you know, the, the women's team pursuit. These names these people and another one who's been around a while but there's talk I mean Aaron Gates talk me through his career if you can Del and why is he having so much particular success now and why are a lot of people which I've heard saying he, he he's going to get signed by a pro team well you know that that's he should be signed by a pro team but he is 30 you know and mm. that's that, that's not really flavour of the month with, with pro teams. Um, you know, if you look at the guys winning at the top end of the sport of the Tour de France, uh, they're under 25. They're, you know, they're, they're, some of them are 23. Um, right. It's it, it switched around. Like, if we went back quite a few years, it was the older riders dominating, mm. and all of a sudden it's young riders. Since we've come back from, you know, COVID and that, it's been it's really been a young a young person's sport. Um, you know, the female Tour de France has just finished Tour de Femme. It's worth it's it's just uh, changed that because you know I think the winner was 39, but generally it's a it's a young person sport. But Aaron Gate, he, he's been an outstanding cyclist for for so long. Um, part of you know the Auckland Grammar Cycling Team way back. He's got a wonderful coach uh, in Auckland who's looked after him for, for many many years, mm. and he, he he's a real he can do everything well. He can sprint, he can climb. He's won tours. He's won. <laughs> Yeah, one-day races, he's won track race, <laughs> been a world champion, he's got an Olympic team's pursuit medal. There's nothing Aaron Gate really hasn't done. Um, probably the, the saddest thing for me as a cycling fan for Aaron is when he had the opportunity was racing on road, on road teams in Europe, so, you know, some of those second division teams, mm. they had absolutely crap equipment. Oh, really? It cost his, it's cost him dearly as a road career. Yep, they... They just had, you know, they at one stage they had a bike that was running a single chain ring and, you know, you hit the cobble and it would bounce off. They Ooh. had, you know, wheels that were breaking. And, you know, he, he never really, he had some fantastic results with, with the team despite some of that gear. But the opportunity, I think, that he was given, if they had had some of the best bikes, like, you know, the, the equipment now that the, you know, Bolton Equities team's riding, they're riding, you know, with Pinarello, the best bikes in the world. If Aaron had been on those, mm. or, you know, all those years ago when he was 25, 26, he would have definitely been signed by a big pro team and I think would have won some really big races. So, wow. you know, that, you've also got to want to do it as well. You know, like that True. Olympic Games gold medal means a lot to New Zealand. And, you know, if that's your dream and that's your goal and that's your target, you don't really go down that, that you know, road path quite the same way yeah yeah it's so interesting though watching these guys isn't it because it's and you know another name we haven't mentioned you know corbin strong as well i mean you know their egos as well in, in the scratch race did you see the crash and the heat i i heard about it i haven't seen it is it a good one it's horrific oh jeez. Uh, it's 
you've got to see the photos or, or have a look. Okay. Oh, it's, un, it's amazing that no one um, is, is seriously seriously injured. It was they went over. You know, so the bankings are running. You know, around forty. Well, I think forty three and a half, forty four degrees. Yeah. On the bends. Then you've got the, the you know the hoardings with the signage on yes. the little wall. Then you've got the railing that curves out over the track a little bit. They cleared that, went over that, and into the crowd. Oh my goodness! The English rider. Wow. Um, at, yeah, and the Canadians right up on it. George Jackson, the New Zealander, that was in that heat, sprawled out on the track, at, right up on the fence. It's, I've I've seen a rider claw over the over that part of the you know the track and the fence one yeah. other time, but I think this in a bunch race like this was the worst I'd ever seen and. To hear when I got to work that everyone had walked, well, not walked away, but was was okay, um, was unbelievable. So, yeah, the the wow. dangers at, at that speed and when it go, you know, yeah, it, it's for those that saw it, um, you know, if, you know, I can assure them now that it's come through. Everyone's everyone's okay. Um, <laughs> no, no serious serious injuries. But I went to work thinking someone could be, you know, yeah. In, in, a really bad way, or, or possibly even you're not gonna wow. not gonna survive this one because that was horrific. Jeez, um, yeah. Oh man, have you been to this venue at all, Dell? With the the velodrome, have you been there? No, or, I haven't. Or is it no, brand I, is it brand new this one? Or well, Birmingham. I was just wondering last night, and it shows my ignorance. Really, was I? I, I guess because um, you know the Great Britain's got a number of really good tracks now, but I, I'm not sure if what track they used for the London Olympics, whether that was the Birmingham Velodrome or whether they have a, an actual velodrome, you know, in London. So, oh, right. Um, yeah, so I'm not 100% sure. I should have checked, sorry. Um, no, no. But no. I was wondering that myself to, today. I was wondering, because, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a really, you know, it's a world-class venue. Oh, it's, it's, it's brilliant. It's a, it's a great-looking venue, all right. And, um, yeah, it's been good. So you're talking about Corbin. So, you know, the guy's a superstar. He, he rides for the Israel Premier Tech pro cycling team on the world tour so he's, he's in the big league yeah. uh, very young to be in that big league mm. he's been well coached and well looked after by um for many years by sid coming down there at cycling southland who, who's guided him and then of course into the national program the junior world champion he's actually been a world champion in the event he'll take part in tonight the, the points race yes um he's one of the smartest riders I think out there on the bike, and he uh, reminds me a lot of the Olympic champion, the Italian Ella Viviani. The way he rides and manoeuvres himself on the track, uh, on the road. Um, yeah, he's he's another very very talented young man, and we're going to see him. I, I hope in New Zealand teams and anchoring New Zealand teams uh, for for years to come, because yeah, a sensational performance by him today showed how smart he was to get in the break. Then manoeuvre himself in a position to you know to take the win. Very very clever young man and and very smart bike rider. Now I got to ask you, Dell, as well. I mean the, the the time slots are sometimes good but sometimes not. Are you going to be staying up tonight to watch some of the races? Yeah, it's been a tough month, you know. Tour de France. Oh, that's France, right. of course, you, of course. <laughs> oh, no. My my wife said the other day, oh, about three weeks ago, while I was having breakfast, and I had the iPad on watching. Watching, she says, was talking to me about something that I had to do, and I didn't hear a word. She goes, "Oh well, I'll speak to you again in August." <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. I, look, I know what you might, but a mate who's the same, and yeah, his missus is just like your missus. It's like when Tour de France is on, yeah, pretty much, yeah, you're busy. Yeah. 
Could be. That's right. Yeah. It's like when the Football World Cup's on as well, isn't it? You know. Oh. Yeah. Don't 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 disturb us. No, I'm not making sense because okay, let's talk through some of the ones coming up overnight. At one, at seven past one in the morning, we've got the women's care in round one, uh, plus the rapid charge. Do we have any chances in that one, um, Adele, that you know of? And, and can you give us a, a layman's explanation of the Kieran? Okay, so we have a big chance. Elise Andrews, the Olympic silver medalist. Of course. Um, of course, Kelsey Mitchell's on there. Now, Kelsey, at least when she won the individual sprint, Dean, mm-hmm. uh, at, you know, gold medal at this competition, had to beat Kelsey Mitchell, who was the Olympic champion. Ooh, nice. So, you know, that's, that shows you how far Elise has progressed. Yeah. Um, to, you know, and she didn't didn't just, you know, nick the win. She was convinc- convincingly won. So... Elise Andrews, a big chance in the Karen, along with Olivia King, who was the other rider that made up the gold medal winning women's team sprint. Um, so really great experience for Olivia, a young rider who's come up through the you know the cycling program um, in, in the Waikato, and it's fantastic to see you know her racing at this level. So there are two big chances in, in that event. But okay. Elise Andrews goes into this event as probably, I would put her as the favourite, you know, for this event. Wow. I hope I haven't cursed her, but no. yeah, she, <laughs> she's the form female sprinter in this competition. <laughs> well, let's hope so. Hey, look, that's a favourite. Could be another medal. Let's hope so. Then at one twenty-two, we've got the men's forty k points race. What's your thoughts on this one, uh, Dell? Um, now I haven't looked at the full start list, but I, I know that Aaron that Corbin will be riding. Yeah, Aaron Gate. That's got here Aaron, Corbin and yep. Campbell Stewart. Yep. So. Um, any one of those three could win or they could get first, second and third. Um, so just to give you the reason for that, Campbell Stewart, a World Omnium champion, Aaron Gate, a World Omnium champion in the past, both, you know, these races are very similar to a points race. Mm. And of course, Corbin, a World Points Race champion. So they've all been there, done that. Um, they will be up, you know, they'll be up against uh, some pretty good riders. Uh, obviously, you know, one of the, the, the Scots, um, Scotland, they've got a very good rider in there, Mark Stewart, who's who spent all of COVID based in New Zealand and actually rides for the Bolton Equities team. So he knows oh. the strength of these riders inside out. Wow. Um, so he'll be one to keep an eye on. But, I, you know, they will go in there. They're all very smart bike riders. I would probably put my money on Aaron Gate for this one. But, um, you know, if it went to, to Campbell or Corbin, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, so that's, an, that's another one that's looking good for us. Now, how about at uh, 2.32 in the morning, the men's 1,000-metre time trial final uh, with Nick, please excuse me if I've got this wrong, you might know better than me, Del, Kirkazoo? That's it, very good. Okay. Yep, Nick Kirkazoo. Uh, very, um, got a really good chance of meddling in this. He, he was second, I think, at the last World, what the world was, what's now the Nations Cup, the previous World Cup competition mm. in the kilo. Um, he had a little bit of a different build-up. He didn't go away with the team quite as early. Uh, he's, you know, very good, well, part of that men's endurance team. He could ride the team's pursuit. He could ride, you know, the, the points race or scratch race and not be out of place as well. But he's gone there to target this event. So, very good chance of a medal. Um, the Australian sprinters have also shown fantastic form in the suds. Pretty, okay. and, you know, England have got a couple of very good riders. He will be in the medal mix for yeah. sure. I, I, you know, I, I can't. He's not going to start as a favourite, but um, he, he will definitely be in the mix in the in the in the kilo for sure.
Okay, well, he's another one to look out for. Uh, then at 3.47, we've got the women's care in round two. So that's the second round. Then at 4.07, another one here, Dell, the women's 10K scratch race with Bryony, both uh, Michaela Drummond and Emily Sherman. What's your thoughts on this one? Yeah, it's, it's a little bit like the men's scratch race. A lot can go on in that. You can, it's a simple race to follow. You know, they all they line up and they say, go the first across the line wins. Well, you know, and we saw today the group take a lap on the field. So you've got to be a little bit cagey. Mm. Kayla Drummond uh, is a very smart rider. She was, in, you know, in that race, um, in that points race today and, and sort of missed a break a little bit, but was in the mix for a long, for a long period of time. Uh, Again, they, you know, the scratch race is a little bit like a bunch race on the road. You've got to be in good form, but you've got to have a little bit of luck and be in the right place at the right time. If one of the keys will be in this, not like the World Championships, we're only allowed one from every country. Mm. You're allowed three at the Commonwealth Games. So team tactics play a fairly big part in this as well. So oh, the Australians are very, very good at team tactics. Yeah, of course they are. Uh, and they've got a very, very good rider with Georgia Baker who won mm. the, the, the points race today. But, I, you know, it'll be interesting to see, like, if, if Ronnie's you know, recovered from her efforts and can go out there and make this a really hard race, he's right, capable of taking a lap and um, you know, doing some damage. So I would expect one of our three to certainly medal in that, in that race. Oh, man, Dale, you're in for a long night, mate, because at 4.22 it is the women's Kieran finals, then at 4.42 it's the men's 40K points race final. So, um, Dale, I don't know if you could get a couple of hours in now, maybe. Bank a couple of might be the plan. Yeah, the trouble is, I, I love I love swimming too, and I need to catch up on some swimming. And... <laughs> well, that's the look. <laughs> that's the other thing, Dal. I mean, okay, cycling it's kind of expected. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna do okay. But to be fair, cycling's had a couple of tough years, Dal. You know this, and this is a great. Um, I don't know if redemption's the right word, but it certainly, um, you know, focuses on all the right things, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, and it's really well deserved because you know they, they've had a bit of a beating and you know a lot of criticism around the around the culture and things that have been going on. I go, well, if the culture's broken, they're doing pretty well um, mm. for for medals. Mm. Um, I don't I don't think it's 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 broken. The riders that are in there have been in that program for a long, long time, and um, you know, there's certainly you know through comments have been things that can be improved and and whatnot. But I, it's it's fantastic, as you say, to see some really positive stuff come out because. Yeah. You know, over all the years of the Commonwealth Games, cycling has delivered more medals than any other sport, and uh, it's great to see them doing that again at these Commonwealth Games. And then, you know, hopefully in two years' time, the the, the progress they've made here um, carries on to you know to Paris in, in 24. So, you know, it's pretty a ex- pretty exciting time. There's some young riders in there. There's still some experienced riders that we've got to keep going. Um, and then, you know, we get rid of the, the, the track riding and the Commonwealth Games and the road race. We've got a, a really good team in, in there as well. At the, you know, it'll sort of bookend the, the Com Games for, for, for New Zealand. Oh, Dal. Look, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure connecting with you again, my friend. And uh, hopefully, um, you know, <laughs> I'm part-time Pete. I'm pretty filling. I might get a couple more gigs between now and then and we can talk again, pal. How's that sound? Sounds great. No, it's a real, real pleasure to talk any time, Dean, and uh, nice to hear you're on here. Yeah, thank you very much, Dell. There you go, folks. Dell Woodford, anything cycling, Dell is your man. And, yeah, boy, it has been such a great time for New Zealand cyclists at this game, and there is plenty more to come. We better take a break, Big Ben. We'll be back after this. Welcome back into SENZ Extra Time. Dean Butler with you here tonight, filling in for Ricardo Ball. Big Ben Francis is on the buttons. While we were talking all things cycling with Dell Woodford just before the Commonwealth Games after the amazing start, 
our team has had. If you want to give us a call, 0800 150 811, or you can text double eight double three. We can discuss anything you want to. And one man is on the line now. It's uh, Jono. Jono, good evening to you. How you going? Yeah, good, mate. How about yourself? Are you enjoying this uh, the cycling? Yeah, I, I'm enjoying the whole game, to be honest. Like, it's sort of, um, it's not something I particularly look forward to, but now it's here, you get enthralled in the moment in the sport, and mm. should have seen them watching Coronation Street on a, on a <laughs> cold Tuesday night, isn't it? Amen, Johnny. Yeah, you're so right, mate. I was the same. I wasn't too fussed about the build. I wasn't even sure when it started. Um, and, you know, I don't really care for the opening ceremonies and whatnot, but once we got into it, once it kicked off, um, and obviously I hadn't followed it, so I didn't know who was going to be who, but the cycling team, they just came out of the block so quickly, and it was gold, gold, gold. Amazing. Yeah, and that's what I wanted to call up about is, um, you know, that program's been in quite a bit of turmoil over the last, yes, well, longer than the last 12 months, but especially the last 12 months has mm. probably, been, probably been their hardest, and, you know, I know, I think pretty much have had a clear out of all of their elite coaches, but I, I guess it reflects back on, maybe you actually do have to have a really tough win-at-all-costs um, sort of culture um, and attitude to, to survive and, and thrive at that elite sport level. And it's going to be really interesting to watch that track program over the next 24 months as they strive for, for Paris, as they start to implement a lot of their um, sort of cultural reviews and mm. be a lot more athlete-friendly and, and to see what changes that has um, with the performance. Because I know, you know, in rowing, when, when they had that... Um, Review around the Dick Tonks era and needing to be more athlete friendly. Yeah, um, their results their their results dropped off a little bit. So um, it, it's going to be really interesting to watch and fascinating as almost a, a case study as to to where that line is. And and no doubt there is a fine line that you can't cross in terms of you know um, athlete welfare needs to be paramount at some point. But you know it also needs to be uh, to quote our dear friend Matt Watson, damn hard to succeed. <laughs> and, and you've got to push the boundaries and. And it's going to be, for me, it's going to be fascinating to see over the next 24 months and, and um, you know, to try and plug in and hear what changes they do make in that culture because they're thriving at the moment. Um, and I and no doubt that's a result of what has been sort of delivered by the previous administration over the last four years. And that, look, they were pretty unlucky in Tokyo, I think, when you mm. look at some of their results. Um, a few crashes, a few forced places, you know, the barest of margins. But they were there or thereabouts. It was just freakish performances really that beat them out for gold medals or silver medals in Tokyo. Um, you know, I think it was, I think they lost where they, where they were protected to medal. I think they lost four medals, which were all world record times. So, now, there or thereabouts then, it's going to be fascinating to watch over the next 24 months. What are your thoughts? Oh, look, Luke, you make some really good points, John. I love what you're saying about the coaching, like with uh, uh, Dick Tonks and, you know, that... It's funny because to me it's like an old school style, but that style, I think it, I'm, I'm a big fan of it. And I know I know it might not sit well with some today, but when I look at it like this. You know, when you have a champion like Mahi Drysdale say he, he wants Dick Tonks on the team, that says to me, you know, he knows what he's doing. Yes, he might rub authority up the wrong way. The administrators might not like him. Who gives a rat's? You know, if he gets a result, that's all that matters. I read in the thing in the paper, Arthur Lydiard was the same. He wasn't really liked by administrators, yet he single-handedly created, you know, the golden generation of New Zealand athletes. So I'm a big fan of that. As for the New Zealand cycling team, yeah, they've had a couple of, uh, you know, external things which have happened. But I like what Del Woodford just said. He said, look, if, if, if the culture is broken, they're doing pretty well for a team with a broken culture. And I don't think it is. I think they've got a pretty tight-knit unit. Look at Elise Andrews. She stepped up to say, I'll be the fourth member in this team, you know, to help the, help them out in that one. And so I think, yeah, I think now, uh, I think it's good signs for, for the next Olympics, Jono, I really do.
yeah, I completely agree. I think um, I think that that high performance environment is is really really tough, and I, I hope we don't strip away, you know, what defines success at that program and other programs. I know the canoeing have gone through their their issues as well, and and you just hope that we don't we don't make too many changes that comes at the success of on field success. But of course, you've got to be mindful of the the off field environment that you create as well. But no, yeah. it's certainly exciting. I thought you know you look at track cycling to take a big step up and at the Olympics in Paris, you look at canoeing to continue. I think, you know, I, probably many people said we won't do better than we ever did in, in Tokyo, but actually you start to jot down looking a, a little bit out to Paris and it could be one of our most, or it could be our most successful games, um, especially if some of these programs like swimming and, and cycling where we haven't delivered oh, um, and have oh, underperformed um, oh, could, could be on fire. Man, absolutely, John. And let's be honest, the last Olympics we would have done, as you said, if cycling had you know managed to get a couple of their goals as well, it would have been absolutely massive games. In the next couple of years, this cycling team is only going to get better. And also, we've now got swimming. As je- I love it when our swimmers do well because it's so rare. Lewis Clairbert. How amazing is that story? That's just phenomenal. I love it. Yeah, freakish performance, really, wasn't it? Mm. I think, um, and, and out of nowhere, and you know, I think you can sort of take the Com Games with a little bit of grain of salt and go, well, it's not that higher quality. But you've got to realise who he's swimming against in yeah. some of those races, which are Olympic um, medalists, and and he's competing in world record times or there or thereabouts. So, yep, um, I think I think that's awesome signs. I think all of this is going to build up. I think he struggled a bit in Tokyo, didn't he, with the sort of stepping up at that elite stage and he the did. performance. And he, I think he commented that he felt he didn't do the, the himself justice in the final. So I think for him to step up on a world stage here at the Com Games and um, and take it to the next level is really promising. And, yeah, I, I think for, for us, it's those sports where we don't always perform mm. well in mm. um, gets me super excited. I think, you know, rowing, rowing we kind of, you expect it now, but yes. it's the unexpected medals that get me really excited. I'm the same, Matt. I'm the same. And, you know, I know what people say when they go, oh, it's just the Commonwealth Games. Not everyone's there. But in swimming, the Australians are there, and they are one of the top nations, you know, you, you, in the world. So the, they are going up against, you know, elite uh, athletes. So, yeah, I, I'm with you, Jono. I, I'm looking forward um, to the rest of this Commonwealth Games, that's for sure. Yeah, and just one last point. I just sure. want to point out how ridiculous it was that um, Elise Andrews was blind oh. and had her medal taken away because yeah. she had to warm up for another race. Isn't that the, the spirit? Like, they talk about the Olympic spirit. Yeah. Well, the Commonwealth Games spirit completely different. Well, this is the thing. The Commonwealth Games is called the Friendly Games. And who cares if she can't make She couldn't make it because she had another event. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it, it, it's crazy. Surely there's got to be a... Uh, I mean... Man, you can have two gold medal winners now because you don't want to hurt someone's feeling by having someone lose a silver. Yeah, so right. surely she can step up and um, <laughs> and be given a, a silver retrospectively. But I think I think what's awesome is how she says she doesn't really care, and as long as the other team members got their medal, that's all she wanted. So yeah. I think that that shows the the culture within the program at the moment. So yeah, totally agree. Hey, Johnny, thanks for your call so much, mate. Enjoy the rest of the games. There you go, Jono, with his thoughts um, on the track cycling. It certainly has been um, exciting, that's for sure. We'll take another quick break, and we'll be back after that. Welcome back into SENZ. Dean Butler with you here on this Monday night. Producer Big Ben Francis is on the buttons. Almost time for um, the final break before the top of the hour. After 9 o'clock, we will be talking some rugby league with Stephen Gallagher, all things NRL. If you've got any uh, thoughts or questions or calls, please let us know. You can text double eight double three. You can, of course, call 0800 150 
811 811 the commonwealth games are in full flight um, i know it, it, it's got me hooked maybe you have a favorite memory from the the commonwealth games especially 74 uh, we played the uh, classic um, Steve Allen joined together. I've found another one. Well, Ben's found another one from the 1990 games. We might play that in the next hour, maybe after 10 o'clock. And after that uh, 10 o'clock, between 10 um, and 11, uh, we might be talking some Premier League football, possibly, because that is kicking off this weekend as well. But I'll tell you what, Ben, there's a lot of sport coming up, mate. We've got, we got the NPC kicking off. we got the All Blacks um, and their do-or-die mission in South Africa. And we got the the Premier League and the Commonwealth Games all going. It's that's a lot. It's a lot to watch. Well, my beloved, uh, my loved uh, Bradford City got their campaign underway on the weekend. Of course, because they that are they in the championship? <laughs> oh no, I wish. No, they like in the well, I call it the third or fourth division. They're one of those fourth ones. Fourth division. That's fourth correct. division. Okay. I look. I'll be honest. I I I kind of follow Bradford a little bit because my middle name is Bradford, so I always ah. had an interest in, in Bradford. Um, but, yeah, I'm a Chelsea man, so, yeah, I'll be following the season um, intently. So, yeah, hopefully we can find someone for after 10 to get some of that uh, chit-chat going. And the Premier League's back on Sky as well. Thank God. About time, Ben. I, I, about time. Look, I don't know about you folks, but I, I managed to – they had some Sky Nation thing where you had to sign up and you, you could take part in these surveys. Yeah. Whoops. Welcome back into uh, SENZ Extra Time. Dean Butler with you here tonight for Lennon for Ricardo Ball. Big Ben Francis is on the buttons a little bit of the Hoodoo Gurus. Yeah, what's my scene, man? Yeah, what's my team, as Ben said. Um, and the other one, 0800 150 is the number to call. You can text double eight. Uh, double three. We're going to be talking uh, all things rugby league um, in this hour. If you've got any thoughts on them, please let us know. But right now, let's cross to our rugby league writer for Sports Freak New Zealand. It's Stephen Gallagher. Stephen, how are you? Oh, kia ora, Dean. How are you? I'm good, mate. I'm good, my man. Look, I'll be honest. I'm in a bit of a uh, Commonwealth Games frenzy at the moment. Uh, I've, I've got swept up. I've got, I've got, I've got into it. Are you getting into it, Stephen? Oh, look, to be honest, I didn't even really kind of realise it was on, which is a terrible, no, terrible New Zealander of me. <laughs> but um, it's just so much bloody sport to be watching, oh. and then all of a sudden I'm blindsided by the Birmingham games, and it's all on, and I know. the hockey team's beating Kenya 16-0, <laughs> and we've won about 1,000 medals. It's like, just, what's going on? Yeah, I know. It's 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 crazy. I'm the same. I, I was kind of late to the party as well, thinking, oh, I don't care, whatever, Birmingham, the... the, the opening ceremonies on whatever but then all of a sudden it's all go and we're all go but you're right there is so much sport on you're you're the rugby league man let's let's get into it um Sim, because let's be honest the nrl is the a sport that that just keeps on giving we'll start with uh well the, the closest one to us the storm you know they they beat the warriors they got home 24 12 but nelson asofa solomona not getting charged what is going on that uh that probably sums up rugby league, to be honest. It probably sums up everything we've seen in the NRL uh, in, in 2022. Uh, disgraceful. Mm. Uh, his actions on the field uh, definitely warranted time in the sin bin, if not time on the sideline. Uh, and to walk away from that game where he could have easily broken uh, Wade Egan's jaw, mm. uh, it was pretty, pretty, pretty awful scenes, you know. And then I think he, he almost got given a, a task on on Friday night and got carried away with it because he was just he he looked like there was just he just saw the red mist from the from the from the get go and there was just no reining him in. It was it was 
atmosphere. It was it was not pretty, not pretty at all. No, you're right. I was the same. I, I watched the game like you, and yeah, he was uh, he was out of control from, right from the start. Um, we've got the match review committee chairman Luke Patton on the decision not to charge Nelson Asafa Solomona. Says Nelson's arm was across Egan's chest. We believe it was only minor contact to the head. You're kidding me, right? Well, yeah, and I, this is the thing, right? If Wade Egan had probably come off with a broken jaw, we would have seen Nelson Asafa Solomona charged. And that mm. we're setting it, we're setting a dangerous precedent here by. Uh, only charging players if the other uh, opposing player gets severely injured, where that shouldn't necessarily be the case, right? Mm. We should be punishing these guys for their actions, regardless of how injured or non-injured the people are getting. So yeah. I, I disagree with Luke Patton. I am uh, wholeheartedly disagree with what he's trying to say. Uh, if that's minimal contact, I'd hate to see what uh, a really physical contact would be, because <laughs> he probably would have cut his head off, you know? it was It was horrible. That is right. That's the thing with the league. That's so inconsistent. Some guy will do something and get three weeks. You go, why do you get three weeks? That's that's one week. And others will do this and they get absolutely nothing. I think that's what upsets uh, the fans. I know it does when I'm watching, Stephen. And also watching this game with the Storm, okay, we expected them to win. What did you see in the Warriors? Did you see anything there? You go, okay, there, there's hope here for the last few games? Uh, no. <laughs> no. Short answer, No. Look, um, uh, look, they they just, like any other side, mm. probably would have beaten the Storm mm. on Friday night. The Storm weren't very good at all. No. You know? Like, um, Edward Cossey scored three tries. The Warriors couldn't bloody kick a goal to save their lives. Um, it just looked a bit clunky. It just looked a bit off. Look, they might, they I think they play the Titans in about round 25, and that's about the closest they're going to get to a win, I think, before the year's out. Yeah, you're 100% right. I'm watching the Storm, and we've all seen it. You know, they've lost four in a row, and if they played anyone else, they might well have lost five in a row. What has gone wrong with the Storm? What What is missing? I think they've just, they're, they're, uh, they've always had this next man up mentality, mm. always. Um, and we've seen, we've seen guys become household names uh from that, you know, and get a starting position because another player's got out injured. But they've got so many players out injured at the moment that they're just really struggling, and the next man up isn't just quite up to standard. But you think about uh, from that 2020 uh, grand final winning squad, you know, they've lost uh, Tina Fa'asua Malaawi. Next mm. year they're going to lose Brandon Smith. Dale Finucane's gone. So, yes. you know, in, and then next year they're also going to lose the Bromwich brothers and... Um, a couple other players to the Redcliffe Dolphins. So they're actually in a bit of a pickle, I think. Um, and they, no one knows what's going to happen with Cameron Munster either, whether he's going to go or stay. But uh, the thing is, I think the Melbourne Storm are just aren't, as, aren't where they have been in previous years. And uh, every other NRL club and any, every other NRL fan is absolutely loving it because now they know what it feels <laughs> like to lose. You know? This is the most consistent, the most consistent NRL team in the last, 20 years, yes. and they've lost. Started to, start to spring a few games, you know, where they've lost things, and and now Melbourne fans are going to have to wake up some Monday mornings and think, oh, the week's going to suck because we lost, you know. Like <laughs> Warriors fans have been dealing with that for 27 years. Well, yeah, that that's 100 percent right. I mean, that's the thing with the Storm; they've invested big, and in, you know, Hughes and Munster and Pappenhausen. But Pappenhausen, you know, he's the injuries are starting to accumulate now, and. Um, what do you think? What do you think is going to happen with him next season? Look, I, the, the, probably the timing of this uh, this uh, 
fractured uh, kneecap is probably quite good for him because now he's he's not going to go you know away and play in the World Cup. He's just going to have spend time to rehab. Mm. Uh, you've got time to work on um, everything else. Just get just lay off anything at the moment. Like he's off, you know, he's he's on one leg, so hopefully it's not causing any issues with the hamstring. But he'll go into the end of you uh, go into the off season in about December. He'll be on some light duties. And probably it'll be for the best for him because he won't start really picking things up until about January, February next year. And that might might end up being a godsend for him. But um, injuries are always a massive concern. And, and when you've, you've you know you've had a couple of serious ones in one year, it, it's really hard and takes a lot of me- mental fortitude to bounce back. And hopefully that he's got that within him. Yeah, I hope so too, because when he is on form, he is one of the best players in the NRL. I love watching him play. Um, For the Warriors themselves, of course, okay, the season is a write-off. Next season, um, they lose Reese Walsh. What's your thoughts on that? Me personally, I've seen, I I do think he's overrated, if I'm being 100% honest, Stephen. He's good, he's got something, but I don't think he's he's the be-all and end-all. No, no, I think the, the Warriors need consistency. Uh, if anything, and that's what something that Charles Nickel Klukster is going to provide for them. Mm. You know, he's, he's a very good defensive player. Um, Reese Walsh is, you know, very green. He's very raw. Mm. He's only played 32 NRL games. You know, Charles Nickel Klukster has been around for about six or seven years now. He's played in the grand final. Mm. Uh, he's played in a very good Raiders side. We're gonna. I think. Well, I think the Warriors are going to get good investment on this return. You know, and obviously it'd be great to keep someone like Reese Walsh because he is a live wire. But I think they. That's not what they're looking for at the moment. They need someone a little bit more, a bit more starchy in the back line. And I think that's what uh, Chance is going to offer. Yeah, I mean, I watch. I watch the Warriors as well, and I. I know Tohu Harris is the captain, and I think he's one of those captains who leads by example. I think they need someone in that side who barks at players. And tells them what mm. to do and where to go. That's what I think is really, is really missing. I don't think that's Sean Johnson. I don't think that he's. I don't think he's a natural fit for that. No, it's. it's and when you sort of think of those sorts of players, there's not really a hell of a lot of them running around at the moment either. We don't really have a, a dominant half. You know, you look mm. at the likes of someone like uh, Nathan Cleary. You know, you know he's going to be getting into his players. He's trying to give, get them where they need to go. The same with the likes of Adam Reynolds. Uh, Nico Hines, they're all very good halfbacks because they're all very good at getting a field around, uh, getting a, their sides around the field. Yeah, that's exactly, and that's what, that's exactly what the Warriors need. And you mentioned the name there, Nathan Cleary, of course. Well, it was one of the, I don't know if it was an upset, but the Eels certainly put the Panthers away 34-10. What did you make mm. of uh, Nathan Cleary being sent off? Yeah, so uh, most Friday nights, me and a couple of mates would get together, have, have a couple of craft beers, and we, and we watch both footy games. And nice. We, and we all looked at each other. Mm. We all looked at each other. As soon as the incident said, and we said, that's four to five weeks. And uh, obviously it came out uh, on, on Sunday mm. and that uh, he's going to sit out the rest of the regular season. He's going to get a five-match suspension. Obviously that's not within his... That's not how he normally plays. Uh, a tackle gone bad. Grateful that no one was seriously injured. But, yeah, that's, you know... It- We've got to stamp that stuff out of rugby league. It was for five weeks. It was, and I'm, I'm, I'm exactly the same. We were watching myself and my wife. It was absolutely an unbelievable. It was almost surreal. It was like Nathan, what, what did he do? Why, why he didn't need to do that? It was like just a complete brain fade. Yeah, it really was. I don't know whether it was those uh, gold Dan Carter boots he had on, or, <laughs> or, or you know, that was. 
cutting off a bit of circulation to the head. But he, uh, yeah, just, you know, a rush of blood, you get caught up in the moment, you know, just a, half half a flip took him over and then he was on his head and that was all over. And there was, there was no other uh, thing that the referee was going to have to do. He was always going to be sent off and he was always going to be suspended for, for a long time. Absolutely. So, uh, great, great that, that it's a good outcome. But um, I think uh, Nathan of Sofa Solomon is going to be feel pretty good about what he's written. So, yeah, know, yeah. can't win them all, but... Uh, Look, yeah. I got to I got to agree with you about those golden boots. I mean, they just I mean, I you know, I don't mind people wearing colored boots, but golden boots is like, oh, you're so up yourself. You've now got golden boots. <laughs> no. You know, they had, the, they, had the, they had the All Blacks logo on them. They had a Dan Carter signature on them. Look, they were they were very special, but I don't think you'll ever wear them again after getting suspended. So that was they're, that... they're probably just going to go sit on the uh, on the mantelpiece for the rest of the year. That was the best shot of the night when they cut to the dressing room and they had the close up on the gold <laughs> boots by the business. Like, yeah, oh man, that that's perfect. But let's be honest too. This was a good win for the Eels, but. Can they really judge it as a, a, a top win? I know they were ahead before Nathan Cleary went off, but they're so inconsistent, these Eels. Do you think this is a genuine reflection of their, of their team this year? Yeah, one, one thing I remember hearing Cameron Smith say is that the last game of the season will always define how uh, your season's gone out, right? And mm. I think it's so hard to pick how Parramatta are going to end the season. Like They definitely have the squad. Their premiership window's pretty much over at the end of this year, I'd say, if they're going to lose a few of these very key players. Mm. Um, I need to see more consistency from them. Because, you know, even in the second half after that, because they were rampant in the first half. Yeah. That second half, though, they, they I think the, the, there was only six all in the second half or something like that, you know, and they kind of just, you know, admittedly, they would have known that they'd uh, taken the, the foot off the throttle. But um, they need to continue to get up for every game and not just the big games. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I, I saw that too, and the second half was, it was, if anything, Penrith wanted it more. And let me ask you this then, uh, this Panthers side, is it a good news that uh, Nathan Cleary takes a break? Jerome Luai, is, is, is Jerome Luai injured as well? Yeah, so he's got a, a, a slight uh, MCL tear or something like that. He's going to miss six weeks or something like that. So I think they'll both make it back to the first week of the finals. Okay, okay. So they'll still be... I mean, let's be fair. The Panthers are the form team of this competition. And if they... You would su- suggest if they both come back, they should still be sweet for the finals. Yeah, and I think, look, they they play the Warriors in a few weeks and that'll probably secure them the minor premiership. So I think they'll still they'll still probably canter in. They, they, they do have some tough matches um, you know, ahead of themselves. You know, They've got a really tough draw to sort of round out the year. I know uh, next week I'm pretty sure that they're, that they're playing... Uh, who is it here? They got the... The Cow, uh, the Raiders, I think it is next mm. week. So you know the way that the Raiders have been playing, they're they're going to be hard to beat in the, in the games in Canberra as well. So you know these Panthers are going to have you know a lot to answer. But we've seen that they can compete. You know they're you know Nathan Cleary isn't the be all and end all of this Panthers side. They are a brilliant team. Mm. Uh, Isaiah Yao is is the guy for me. He's probably their best player. Um, Dylan Edwards is such the glue at the back, and they've got so you know Isaac Pungo and uh, Brian To'o and uh, Tylan May. They've just got such a good uh, side that they will still compete regardless of missing uh, Nathan and uh, Jerome. Yeah, I think you're totally right. And you mentioned the Raiders as well. They had a, a good win um, over the Titans. Do you think they've got enough though? Because let's be fair, Stephen, this race for seventh and eighth 
is pretty tough. Yeah, look, I, I think, you know, there are three. it's pretty much a three-horse race. To, there's three go into two here. We've got, you know, the Rabbitohs sitting on seven, the Roosters on eight, the Raiders on nine, mm. you know. So I don't think the Seagulls are going to make it. I don't think the Dragons are going to make it. Their team's 10 and 11. So really, mm. for the Raiders, their points differential is not very good. So they need to stay, keep winning and keep winning well and, and start taking points away from the opposition. Okay, that's that, that's good advice. You mentioned one of the other teams there as well. Uh, the Roosters, they found a bit of form lately. Another win, a big win over Manly as well. That that was almost, not a do or die, but it was close to it, wasn't it? Yeah, and those are always kind of like a banana peel game as well, you know, with the Seagulls, uh, seven players missing uh, for obvious reasons. We know all about that. Don't need to sort of delve into that sort of stuff. But the Roosters did what they needed to do. They won. They came away with two points, mm. you know, and they've got a really, really tough game this Thursday against the Broncos. So, it's again, it's, it's almost like the finals is really starting from this weekend. There's so many good games coming up. We're very lucky. We are very lucky. And yeah, the Broncos, man, they got they got they got beaten and well beaten by the West Tigers who looked like the better side in that game. What happened in that one? Well, I think maybe the Tigers um well there's one or two ways this game was gonna go for the Tigers. Now they were gonna they were gonna let that Cowboys result just absolutely derail them, deflate them. They weren't gonna be able to bounce back for it. Or they were gonna use that as uh, motivation to get up and really show that you know they deserve to win, and I think uh, the the best thing I saw was the uh, the Tigers uh, on Facebook put up two wins in a row, which I thought was uh, <laughs> quite tongue in cheek, sticking it to the NRL. So I thought that was quite clever. So props to the social media team for the Tigers and their on field teams. They deserve that game. They played really well. Abs- a great result against the Broncos. Look, absolutely. I watched that game too, and I thought, yeah, this is no fluke. The Tigers are, are, are deserving this win. Um, <coughs> sorry, a bit of an injury though. They lost. Was it Hastings with a was it a broken ankle? Yeah, yeah, uh, a broken bone in his leg. And I, uh, one of the things I admire the most about uh, Jackson Hastings is that, you know, after the game, he's on crutches walking around taking photos and signing uh, signing autographs for fans. And that sort of shows the calibre of the person he is. And that's the sort of guy that you want to build your team around. So hopefully the, the, the Tigers can keep him there and, and, you know, things will start looking up for 2023. And what did you make of the result? Uh, what was a, It was a great, it was a cracking finish. The Sharks getting home over the Rabbitohs. Did you see that one? Or you, I, I thought the Rabbitohs were going to get this one because they've been on such a roll lately, but the Sharks and Nico Hines, wow. Yeah, I, t- I took the Rabbitohs. You know, uh, they've been a, a different beast since Lafayette Mitchell's come back from the uh, the United States and he's looking uh, in, in incredible form. And I just think it sort of goes to show that just how far Cronulla have come in the last 12 months. You know, they uh, they looked really good. Uh, you know, Latrell had three... Uh, field goal opportunities and Golden Point missed them all and, and it just happened to be uh, Nico Hines that got the chocolates in the end and it was a bloody good game and I think the result was fair. I think the Sharks did play the better of the two sides and they took their opportunities when it counted and um, you know you'd, you'd I don't think uh, Nico Hines would have bought a beer that night, that's for sure. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, my wife's a big Nico Hines fan. I'm not sure it's for his playing ability, but she certainly likes it when he's on the pitch. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> that guy, he is calm, under pressure. He, he gets them around the park. I was very impressed by his performance. He's he's, And they've got enough forwards, and they've got they've certainly got a back line which can threaten. Yeah, you know, like... Uh, um, 
what I really like is that they've got Connor, Connor Tracy kind of fills all these gaps in the back line, you mm. know, with uh, Sione Katoa injured now, so he's sort of been um, playing on the wing or, or playing in the centres, and he's just he's just a Mr. Fix-It for them, and he's got so much energy, and he's just a great player, and he, he nothing seems to phase him. Uh, Jesse Ramey is in career best form, which is fantastic to see. Uh, Talakai as well. Look, yes. Wouldn't want to run at him. No. Um, and, you know, Mulatalo's leap as well. It was like watching an AFL game, the way he got up and took that ball and scored that try. Yeah, that that was incredible, man. That you, you see the jump, the height. No one was going to get near him. And it's like, well, if you can get the kicks right, that's going to happen all day. But let me ask you about the Rabbitohs. They're such a, I don't know, what's the, I mean, Cody Walker, he was cold at the start of the season. Then he's back again. Now he seems to get angry every five seconds. And then Latrell comes back and then they're all going for it. I, I thought Latrell was very quiet in that game on the on the weekend. Yeah, but maybe maybe the conditions weren't um, suited to his style of game. Look, it, it was pretty awful conditions in Cronulla. Um, but uh, one thing that I did didn't mind so much that you know he he wasn't necessarily heavily involved, but the Rabbitohs still stuck at it. You know, they got very close. Um, you know, scored that try with a minute and a half to go. That sort of led them. So it sort of shows to me that. In these really tight games, you know, if, if Latrell Mitchell does get the opportunity to stand up and deliver, they'll win. But it just it was an off night for him. They didn't quite get the result they wanted, but um, I don't think they need to be too deterred about where they're going to go for the season. They'll definitely compete when it comes to the, to the finals. And then you've got a team who I think have surprised everyone the most, the North Queensland Cowboys, 34-8 over the Dragons, second on the table. What an unbelievable season they are having. Yep. Uh, Todd Payton, eh? What a what an amazing coach that guy might have been, eh? Yeah, Far yeah. Out. I know. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah, it's ridiculous when you see that, eh? It's like, oh, okay, so you've gone up there. You've turned... I mean, they were practically wooden spooners the other year, and now they're riding high at the top of the table. Chad Townsend's in, like you say, career best form as well. Um, they, they just seem... I don't know what it is. They just seem fitter than many other teams. Yeah, I, I heard that... Uh, during during the off season, that uh, Todd Payton tried to put the the Cowboys in as many uncomfortable positions as as he possibly could. So he's getting them up out of bed all hours of night. They're just tackling. They did so much. They spent so much oh. time tackling and bonding that that I think that nothing was ever going to be too much for them when it came to the to the actual season. You can see just how committed they are. Like oh. uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, Someone got a, a runaway against him, and there were seven Cowboys in the frame chasing him. They ended up chasing him down. I think it was against the Broncos a few weeks ago. But, you know, they just they just seem to be playing for each other, and they're also just having fun. You yeah. know, and I think that, you know, when when you're enjoying yourself and footy's having it great, you know, like, it's like, it's so much easier to play. It's so much easier to win. And, you know, like, they, I think they realise how lucky they, you know, they got against the Tigers, and then they thought, well, we can't let that slip, you know, we're... Finals are only five weeks around the corner. If we play like that again, you know, and when it comes to the business end of the season, we might not get so lucky. So, um, you know, it, it was a, a, a niggly game sort of in the first half, first 50 minutes. Uh, the, the Dragons kept in there, but um, they just, you know, I don't even think by the end of it they got out of third gear. The Cowboys, they were brilliant on Sunday. Yeah, they surely were. And uh, Newcastle coach Adam O'Brien, he's come under fire for his comments in a press conference, said previous to getting this job here, I was involved in four grand finals. What do you make of that one, Stephen? Yeah, that, that was quite odd from Adam O'Brien. Like, he, he doesn't really um, 
give give me the vibe of being that sort of guy. He's obviously under a little bit of pressure, but let's be honest, he's taken the, the Newcastle Knights to two final series in a row. This year's obviously not his year. They've had a few injuries, right, right, right. But yeah, they were they were very odd comments. Uh, I don't know what he was trying to achieve with that. No. Uh, just made him look like a bit of an egg. But um, he's obviously frustrated. Um, wasn't his day, you know. The Bulldogs well and truly got over the top of them. Um, yeah, very strange, very strange from Adam O'Brien. Not really sure what he was trying to do there. No, it sounded like a man who's trying to keep his job, you know, and the coaching merry-go-round that is the NRL. But on the flip side, the Bulldogs, three in a row, you know, uh, you know, Burton to Adokar, four points, boom. Yep, uh, and, I, and I think uh, if they keep this... Um, combination going I think uh, Freddie Fitt will be very interested to see how they go uh, in, in picking those two uh, for New South Wales next year mm. uh, Jerome Luai's spot will definitely be under a bit of pressure and I think you know combinations are so important but the, the energy that Josh Adokar brings to any team is undeniable like he's, he's, he's such a, an incredible force on the field he, he knows exactly how to get the best out of his teammates he brings so much energy he brings so much vibe he's just a, a great player like you imagine going to work with someone like that you know yeah. you know you've got you back a hundred percent of the time he'll get you up he'll g you up he'll be there you know having a bit of a laugh but he also knows when to have a, you know when to get stuck in and head down bum up and you know i have so much admiration for josh Adokar, the way the way he's gone about this year especially too uh you know not getting picked for origin bit of a slow start you know they've lost a coach halfway through the year and he just seems to be flying at the moment and i just i just love to see players flourish and whatever mick potter's doing at canterbury banks town it seems to be working and I hope he keeps it, he keeps his job. You know, I don't think they need anyone else at the moment. Yeah, I was going to say because at the start of the year, I mean, Adokar looked a bit disinterested, but they, Burton, they weren't really gelling. But then all of a sudden, it started to pick up speed. Then Mick Potter comes on board. Now they look like world beaters. Adokar is having the time of his life. I agree with you. I love his energy and the things he brings. And when he gets scores a try and does all the celebrations, and even the other week when they had him mic'd up on, uh, I can't remember the show, might Benji or whatever. It's so yeah, good to hear yeah. what they say. It's He was really way more talkative than I thought he would be. Yeah, and you think, right, someone out on the wing probably doesn't have too much to say. He's just probably on the receiving end of instructions. Mm. But, you know, you, could, you, could, you can tell that he was uh, very much a senior player in the side and, and, you know, people look up to him, players look up to him. You know, they've only got this young, uh, this young fella on the other wing, Jacob Carreras, and, you know, he must be really loving learning and, and picking things up off Josh Shadokar at training every week. All right, Stephen, before I let you go, mate, I want your... Um, who's coming seventh and eighth in the NRL? Who's making it? Uh, yeah, look, I, I, I think... I think it's going to be the Rabbitohs or Eels coming in in seventh, and I think I think the the Raiders will finish eighth. I think the Roosters are just going to miss out. I just don't think, just don't think they're they're the team they have been in the last couple of years, and I, and I really like the way the Raiders are playing. So I think they'll sneak into the top. Rabbitohs eight. and Roosters. My wife won't be happy. She's a big Joey Manu fan as well. Oh boy. Okay. Well, she, right. she's obviously got a type, mate. So uh, yeah, you have to be I don't know. I don't know how I fit into that type, but uh, <laughs> oh well, <laughs> it is what it is. Hey, Stephen, great talking with you, mate, and uh, hopefully we'll do it again sometime. Awesome. Take it easy, mate. See you later. See you later. There you go, Stephen Gallagher, uh, the rugby league writer for Sports Freak New Zealand. Thank you very much for that. We'll be back after this break with more of your calls. MPA, he always says his favourite number is six, and that's because he was the stand. 
Welcome back into SENZ Extra Time. Dean Butler here with you uh, tonight. Big Ben Francis is on the buttons. 0800-150-811 is the number to call or double eight double three. Ben, we've been playing a few TV themes tonight. I'm not sure what that one is. What was that? Is it one of yours? It's a favourite of mine. It's okay. not a favourite theme as such, but it's like a favourite show. Okay. Uh, Clue? I'm, I'm going to give you a couple of clues. So... Yeah. Uh, it's been around for quite a while. I'm, I don't know the exact year off the top of my head, but it started off in like, not like comic books, but books with pictures, and it was like the kind of the cartoon okay. setup. Yeah, okay. Then it was made into like a cartoony TV series, and I think it was Steven Spielberg directed the movie uh, for this particular character about maybe ten years ago. So it's it's a character. It's one. It's it's not like the. Goonies or something like that, or no? Well, no. the char- the main character's name is in the title. Okay, okay, um, and it's like so. It's it's a, a drawing one, but it's not a ca- it's not a cut, um, not a cut. Um, no, I'm I'm completely lost. Man. The Adventures of Tintin. Ah, now I know the Adventures of Tintin. Yeah, I didn't know that as I didn't know it as a TV series. Was yeah, it? so so they they turned like I know the, it as the, a comic book. Yeah, they know. I I didn't know if they were comic books as well. Comic were, strip. Yeah, so they they made them into like actual episodes. Oh, and really? Then, and then the movie uh, was based. I think it was like three books combined into Saw one. Saw the movie. That was Peter Jackson did that one. Oh, was it Peter Jackson? Yep. I thought it was Stephen. That's uh, my apologies. Yeah. No, no, it was very good. Yeah, so I, I believe uh, that's what it uh, was entailing was around three of the books into the one, but they also they had the books as in like a little cartoon. Yes. I did wonder about that clue. I thought that's very cryptic. There's pictures, but it's not a comic. Well, I, I, that's, yeah, well when comic I think book. of a comic book, I think of like a little magazine. 2000 AD, I hear you. Yeah, so, yeah. so I, I, this is what I was saying. I didn't yeah. know if it was technically, technically a comic. I hear you. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. I'd, I'd go comic strip, but I wouldn't say a comic. Yeah, yeah I would agree with that. There's a fine line. Uh, anyway, folks, so if you've got any thoughts on that, please let us know. 0800-150-811. You can text double eight double three. We were talking before some rugby league with Stephen Gallagher from uh, Sports Freak NZ. And, Ben, we got talking about um, Nelson Asafa-Solomona and the incident, if you will. Well, it wasn't even an incident, was it? It was just a minor contact. Um, what's your What's your take on this? Well, at the stadium, Again, you were there. You I, were there. I was there. Yeah. So, and, and seeing it on the screen, I was one of the many people going, "Oh, off, off, off!" Oh, yes. When it happened, like surely, surely it was going to result in ten minutes in the sin. Gotta go. And then when the referee did the on report, and that was that. You're thinking, you serious? Yeah. At first, I when Wade Egan was coming off and he was holding his mouth, mm. I thought he had done his jaw. I really thought he had. That's what it looked like on TV too. And my view was. I was worried because for me, I know, I know that well, the Warriors still have a zero point zero 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 one percent chance of making the top eight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But for me, Wade Egan has been the Warriors' best player in 2022. So if the fact that he was going to, you know what, he'd be he'd be right up there. So the fact yes. he was going to probably miss the last five games made me worried. But and then the next day, he's not charged, not even a fine. No. Okay, and then Luke Patton, who was running the match committee, mm. he said this in the NRL's presser today. Okay. Nilsson has a, a grip with his left arm, and there is separation. And then 
Uh, in one of the back angles, you can see that Nelson gets a grip under Egan's left arm, under the underarm there. And we believe that the uh, Nelson's right arm was diagonal from that grip. So uh, diagonally across his chest and that there might be possible minor contact at the end of the tackle, you know, with um, Nelson's forearm to possibly the neck chin area. But uh, that was only minor contact. Um, it was a forceful tackle, um, which unfortunately resulted in Egan's head um, in going into the ground. But um, these were all the things we considered when we ruled that this um, this actual incident was NFA for us. So minor incident. Mm -hmm. And they said the arm went across. Yeah. No, didn't really touch him. That's right. But he's got cracked teeth. Yeah. So, uh, so it, it didn't hit him in the face. Mm. But the other thing which I found interesting was, and I didn't have the clip, clip there, yeah. was Luke Patton, I think he was known as the general when he played for the, the Doggies. Okay. He said, I, we identified that there was an extra player in the tackle, which was Felice Kafusi, contributing to the force of the tackle. So two big men over a smaller man. Mm. And I saw that, and I thought, it's quite a frustrating one because the NRL... I think Super Rugby or any form of rugby is guilty of it when they they go through moments of cracking down on head contact. So they'll crack down, crack yeah. down on head contact. Yeah. The next two weeks, there will be anything hitting the head will be a penalty, yep. all sorts, and then it just goes away. Correct, like it's not gone. So I was thinking, okay, so if if you're blaming the extra man on the tackle, for me, if someone's making a tackle and they're falling and they arm and someone comes up with an arm and hits them in the head, to me, that's the exact same thing. Yeah. Because it's not their fault. It's someone else that contributed to the tackle to make that incident happen. So I'm kind of thinking, you're opening up a big can of worms here. That, Like I say, that's my perspective of it. I could be reading it completely wrong, and I'm more than welcome to be told otherwise. But when you've got former players like Andrew Johns coming saying, yeah. that should be a four-month suspension. Yeah. And the match review committee are, seems to be the only people in this entire universe <laughs> right. to see that there's actually something wrong with what happened. <laughs> I know. It's It's... It's you can't get your head around joke. it. Yeah, it's a joke. It's it's baffling. You're right. And when I hear people like that try to explain their way out of it, talk their way out of it, the, you know, and he's coming up with diagonals and NFAs and whatever. The bottom line is, you know, Wade Egan Beetle, he was going to the ground, but then you see Solomona go down on them with extra force and literally put his arm in that area and it, it smashes him. You do, you, that is deliberate, it's dangerous, and it's automatic. Get off. So, yeah, I, I'm with you, Ben. I don't know what these guys see. I don't know. I, 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 it's, it's baffling. It's like the, the the bunker. Yeah, I mean, we, we hate it, but we love it because it gives us so many talking points. Well, there was, you know, there's just an endless amount of incidents which are clear cut to, well, I would say the home viewer, look at the Tigers game against the Cowboys. We all knew that was, they were both going for the ball. Yeah, felt milked it a bit and ran into him and got away with it. That was never a penalty. Well, as Stephen touched on in your chat just before, I'd hate to see what, what non-minor contact is. I'd say it's what heavy contact is. I, I, I feel like if that was me, my face would have sunken in and <laughs> yeah. probably broken my nose in the process. It yeah. was, you know, was, I was at the game and we were behind the goalposts and we were Nelson standing on the, on the back fence there. Yeah. He's two meters tall. He's a big he, boy. He, he's no, he's no small, no small player. You know, he's I, I'm more about a meter ninety four, ninety five on a good day. Yeah, <laughs> and, he's, he, and he and he's still twice my size. Yeah, he is a big boy. He runs hard and he hits hard. And when he does stuff like that, which is dirty, 
you know, it hurts. Well, I must say, though, when it happened, there were there were a few incidences which happened in that first half. And from my perspective, it was good to see the Warriors kind of, when these things were happening, they were kind of like, okay, let's let's go. So I think it was like Jazz Tavanga and Josh Curran, you know, they made sure next time Nelson had the ball to go at him hard. Good. And that was great. But then they just got off to that slow start in the second half. And I'm not saying this was a contributing factor, but the game kicked off. And mm. I said, we were behind the goalpost. And we looked over to the uh, western stand, I, I believe it is, because I'm not used to sitting behind the post. So I'm trying to get my... You're normally on the sides? Yeah, usually on yep. the sides. Uh, and we looked over and there was an incident going on in the crowd. And I think everyone's attention was kind of on that. Oh, really? And then all of a sudden we looked up and the Stormer crossed the oh, line and they scored. damn it. And, the, and the, as the Stormer scored very quick, it was like about not even two minutes into yeah, that second half. Yeah, it was a quick try. So it was kind of like, oh, what's going on here? Oh, well, they, they've scored. It was, and that's, <laughs> that's what it was like. And it was, it was literally like that, that incident had everyone in the stadium except oh, the Storm players distracted. No. I don't know what had happened, but there was something going on because there was a lot of security guards Okay. Uh, running around and uh, running around. Maybe someone tried to get onto the ground or something, maybe. No, no one definitely tried to get on the ground because there was lots of that in the first game and uh, I was getting very vocal uh, saying, telling the security guards to smash them. Yeah. Oh, look, I think it's a, a thing now where people know that you, you shouldn't be... I know we seem to see it as a bit of a joke and all the rest of it, but it's it's kind of got to the stage now where it's like, look, you're just going to get smashed if you do go on there, you know, if you're someone who's going to run that gauntlet it could end badly yeah free reign very 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 badly anyway better take uh we better take another break men all right we'll get this one out the way all right let's go welcome back into SENZ Dean Butler with you here on Monday Night filling in for Ricardo ball producer Big Ben Francis is on the buttons a little bit of Pablo Martini to kick us off is that right but no no who was that one Ben but I'm launching a brand new artist, I believe, on the station. Oh, really? Another one? Another one. Okay. I've got quite a few gems hidden in my uh, sleeve. Well, let's go easy on the gems, but carry on. Well, oh, that's why I'm, I save them. Yeah, oh, I save them. Okay, good, and good, I good. I slowly filter them in. So who's this one? So this guy I played there, he's a Danish singer by the name of uh, Maximilian. Maximilian? Yeah. Okay, okay. So surprisingly, even though he's not well-known around the world, he's already gone to number one and quite a few parts in Asia. Really? Mm. A Danish dude, Maximilian, he's big in Asia. Yeah, I so he, he's, he's uh, recent, recently gone, I think he went to Thailand and Singapore. Big in Japan, yeah. Uh, so he, he's really popular over there. So one of his uh, most well-known songs, which was not that one, mm. uh, is called Beautiful Scars, and it has... Uh, over 16 million views on YouTube. Good Lord. Okay. Even I know that. He's doing pretty damn well. Well you, done you, to you. You'd say so, yeah. Well done to you, Maximilian. Be- hey. Better than you and I, I reckon. Uh, <laughs> he certainly is. Hey, we've got some... Um, look, I've got a text here as well. We were talking about... Who was it? Nathan Cleary and his golden boots. And uh, Craig's uh, joined in on the text line on double eight double three. Uh, all blacks, not one player wears black boots. What a disgrace. Looks untidy. I always wore black boots, not orange, pink, green. Great show, Dino. Hey, Craig, i got to agree with you. I'm not a big fan of the coloured boots. I know when I played football, anyone who wore coloured boots back in the day, you better be good, buddy. You better have some sort of game. You better have some Neymar-like skills if you're going to be wearing those. You better have some Messi-like skills if you're going to be wearing those type of boots. And, yeah, I absolutely agree with you with the All Blacks. Uh, Big Ben, what do you think? I think they should be wearing black boots. I totally do. Are you talking about all rugby players or just? Or, uh, well, just I think the All I, I personally think 
uh, all rugby players, especially in a team. I think black boots look good. Uh, for the All Blacks, they should all be black. Yeah. So my personal no. choice of foot attire, and this is the same when I played basketball. Sure. My personal preference is the the black on black. Yeah. So the black socks with with the black shoes. You like that? I do like that. Mm. Uh, although when I did play basketball for a while, I had white, so I wore white socks with the black boots. No, with white shoes. White sh- oh, okay. So I, I had the white, so I like it to be the same. Right. Unfortunately, at the moment. This is this is now delving into personal issues, real Ooh. personal issues. Okay, okay, I've only got one pair of shoes which is not dirty mm. or or got holes in it because right. I've got I've got uh, got a decent sized flipper, so it's very hard to find you shoes. You have got big feet, yeah. So at the moment, I've got white shoes with I, I uh, can, ha- happy, yeah. happy Gilmore socks. Ah, okay. So the white yeah. white shoes, dirty white shoes. They're a bit dirty. Yeah, uh, I know it's a bit sad, and they've got a Happy Gilmore, I believe it is Happy Gilmore socks. I like the socks. Yeah. Okay, so there you go. So, but, but getting getting back to the boots, you you like you you like it for the All Blacks to all have all black boots, or do you like a bit of players to have a bit of no, expression? I, I'm, or, not, I'm not. I'm not. For, well, I, I get the whole expression thing, but it gets a bit over the top. Like totally. it's going to get to the stage where one day we're going to be talking about why Bowden Barrett was wearing yellow boots in a game. That's that's literally what it, how how thickle sometimes things can get. I so, I, I for me, I you know, if you wear like say blue boots, it'd be great. If you wear blue socks, like it kind of, I guess it, I want I want it to match the uniform. Mm. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I'm with you. I matching, but yes, I do agree with you, Craig. They should be wearing uh, black boots for the All Blacks. That's for sure. Ben, we have another break to get away, don't we? We better do that right now. This is the moment. That's right, folks. That was the 1990 Commonwealth Games song, uh, Big Ben, when it was held in Auckland. Anne O'Dane featured heavily in this video. Uh, yeah, classic song, Ben. Another, this is the moment. Say 1990 in Auckland. Yeah. Ah, uh, but, but before my time. Yeah, I know, but th- th- this is the moment. Anne O'Dane running through the domain and all sorts with the, the what's it called? The, the flame. So as of like a really rip-off Olympic version. Kind of, I suppose, but you know. Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to get all. Uh, I'm I'm sorry to get all bids on you. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you're not helping my vibe here, Big Ben. I'm trying to. Yeah, you're right. There it is. Look, there's the queen. Well done. I'm watching the video as well. Um, so yeah, so there you go, folks. That was. Uh, where are we? I'm trying to get a timer. Yeah, after ten o'clock, I believe, Big Ben, we have got quite a scoop. Ben Ransom. Correct. Sky Sport UK. Correct. Two out of two. We're going to be talking all things English Premier League. And we're also going to be talking all things Fantasy League. Now, Ben, I've, I I tried to get you hooked into this, but you're, you're, you're a thrifty man. You didn't want to part with the necessary readies. That's fine. It's totally cool. You don't have to. Plus, you've also got to you monitor it for 38 weeks as well. That's the other thing. You miss a week, you, what's the point? So, if you're into your fantasy football, if you're into your English Premier League, Ben Ransom, after 10, all things football. Good evening, New Zealand. Well, there you go. A little bit of Hogan's Heroes. Ben, ben you would never have seen Hogan's Heroes, would you? Or you, you know a little bit about it? I enjoy Hogan's Heroes very much. Thank you very much. Good man. Okay. Yeah. Have you watched it uh, like back when it's on Jones? Is it on Jones' channel now or uh, what's it on? It was on Jones, but Dad has a few of the DVD sets. But I think he ah. started. I think he started watching it on Jones, and then you know you kind of instead of getting the usual 
cliche kind of birthday presents. You thought, oh, let's get him a season, a few seasons of Hogan's Heroes. So. And he loved it. Oh, he loves it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you guys watch it with him as well? Well, when I was at home, yeah. yeah. I, was, I was a bit younger, yeah, but I, I enjoy it. Um, I try to I remember Bob Bob Crane was the... Bob Crane was the main man in that. Yeah, he uh, was Hogan. Yeah, was the was the main actor there. But uh, Colonel Clink, yeah. personal favourite. It was like, I heard nothing. Yeah, he was so good. And Schultz, he was... Yeah, it was a great show. Uh, a great show. <laughs> totally ridiculous premise, but it was a great show. Uh, a really, really good show. Hey, uh, coming up this hour, um, shortly we'll be talking with uh, Ben Ransom from Sky Sport UK, talking all things uh, football. Before that, though, if you want to have a, a chat, 0800 150 811 is the number to call. You can text double eight double three. We have uh, we played some uh, Commonwealth game songs earlier. Ben, trying to get the try and get it all going, the vibe, the buzz happening because the games are on at the moment. Uh, the 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 track cycling's gone crazy. The the swimming's going crazy. Great to have some swimmers in there. We, you know, it's one of the, like we were speaking with Jono before. When you have a swimmer who's doing well, Lewis Kleber, you suddenly go, wow, man, we can maybe match it with some of the guys at the top. So I'm really looking forward to see how uh, he goes, well, the rest of this Commonwealth Games and also, of course, uh, into the future too. We were discussing, Ben, as well, the NRL. That's, of course, a never-ending source of material these days, isn't it, the NRL? Um, well, when nothing goes on, even in the off season, that's when you're like, oh, what, what's wrong? What's wrong with this world? What is indeed? E- even, even during a level four lockdowns, there's yep. still, still news creating headlines. But just uh, yep. something that has come through recently okay. is uh, it looks like the deal for Tamati Martin to sign with the Warriors is going to be announced in the next few days. Really? It sounds like he's going to join the club on a three-year deal, so there so, should be a confirmation on that very but, soon. But where will he play? Because Chance is going to be fullback. Tamari Martin has been playing fullback at the Broncos. Well, I think he'll get a run at six because before he had to retire, that's where he was playing. I think he was at the Panthers and then he helped the Cowboys get to the grand final in 2017 off the top of my head. That makes sense because Chanel Tavita is retiring. But but there's still a bit of a conundrum for me how I see it because – as far as I'm aware, at this stage, Sean Johnson's going to be there next year, albeit the last year of his contract. We've heard nothing else, yeah. We've heard nothing else, but you know, people do murmur, especially when like he's come home as he just wants the one season, one and done kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, they've got Ronald Volkman, uh, the young guy they picked up from the Roosters, and they've also signed uh, Luke Metcalf from the Cronulla Sharks, who hasn't played all year. What position is he? He can play in the halves and play fullback as well. He hasn't played. He hasn't okay. played for the Sharks all year, but that could change with uh, their fullback Will Kennedy out. I think five to six weeks, and so he's another player that can fit in that spine. And he's coming on the recommendation of Sean Johnson. Sean said, "No, this kid's the, the real deal." So he knows him from the Sharks. Knows him from the Sharks. Yeah. So okay. uh, that's a big reason why he's coming over. So we've got a few guys in there. So it's going to be interesting to see how that lineup looks. What about uh, a replacement for Matt Lodge? Have, they, have we got another big boy coming in? Because let's be fair, at the moment we've got uh, Adam Fanua Blake, Bunty Afoa, who yeah. is hot, you know, who's all right, but he's not starting, not a starter, is he? No, uh, I have heard murmurings, and I believe they were mentioned on a Staffy show last week that James Tarmel 
Oh, really? Could be on his way. I don't know how accurate that is, but I have heard a few murmurings myself. Oh, that would be good. So I think, which I find quite ironic, that he wants to now represent New Zealand after ditching New Zealand and wanting to play for Australia. But hey. Look, let's be honest. (laughs) International League is a... uh, <laughs> let's just not go there. How let's, about that? Let's not even go. <laughs> Open up a big can of worms. Yeah, that's right. Let's not even go there. And of course, hey, I tell you what. Later this hour, after we've spoken with um, Ben Ransom about the football, we're going to replay an interview that Kirst and Beeb did with Lewis Clearbert's uh, coach, Gary Hollywood. What a great name for starters, Gary Hollywood. That's just what would your theme song? A, what would your theme song be with the last name Hollywood? Ooh. Jeez, Gary Hollywood. It'd have to be like, something. We've, we've been talking about, we've been we playing have. theme songs, so I'd be very curious to know what, what, what would you do? Okay, if you're Gary Hollywood, well, you've got to have something, maybe like Beverly Hills 90210, something like that. Uh, the first one that came to my mind was like the Hulk Hogan theme. What was the Hulk Hogan theme? Uh, do what? I have it handy? No, Into the ring, like his ring music. Yeah. Oh. I don't have it handy. I usually do, but I must have got rid of it. What about Red Hot Chili Peppers under the bridge? City of Angels. Yeah, that's a possibility. Yeah. Yeah, we could, we could that's have, Hollywood. That is Hollywood. You're good correct. song, good song. Or we could do... Uh, this is good. That could be coming up, Gary Hollywood. I like it, Ben. That's got a ring to it. That's got a ring to me. Yes, we will play the interview that uh, Kirst and Abib did with Gary Hollywood. And, it, and look, it's a fantastic interview. I heard it on the way in, coming in here, and I thought, oh, that's great. We'll, we'll replay that later on. So, uh, yes, you'll get to hear that. Uh, but, Ben, I think we better take a, a – well, we, we're taking a break, and then we talk to go overseas to Ben Ransom. We're going to take a break. Then we're back talking EPL and fantasy football with Ben Ransom from Sky, Sky, Sky Sport UK. Good evening, New Zealand. Welcome back into SCNZ Extra Time. Dean Butler with you here until 11 o'clock tonight. Producer Big Ben Francis is on the buttons. And yes, indeed, folks, it is warming up. It's almost time for the English Premier League to start. Kicks off this upcoming weekend. And uh, we have got a man in the UK. We're going to cross to him right now. It is Ben Ransom from Sky Sport UK. Ben, uh, good good afternoon. Good morning to you. Yeah, good morning here. Um, yeah, I can't really quite believe we are on the verge of the Premier League season starting. I can't believe the EFL started at the weekend, honestly. It's taken me by absolute surprise. It's ridiculous. There's been absolutely, like you say, the gap, the break has been minimal. Um, and then, it, as you say, the EFL kicked off on the weekend. And another big game on the weekend was that Community Shield. Liverpool versus Man City. What did you make of it, Ben? Both teams pulled out their big star players, but it looked like Liverpool's Nunes did better than City's Haaland. Your thoughts? Yeah, look, you're right. Um, I think you've got to. I mean, you've got to put this game in context. As much as it's a, you know, it's seen as a bit of a showpiece. Um, normally, it's at Wembley. This time, it was at Leicester's ground. Mm. Um, but it is still essentially a friendly. And knowing the way that these clubs have got about their pre-season. Obviously, I've been out in the US with Manchester City on their tour. Oh, um, wow. And they've had a fairly short pre-season anyway. Um, so they've only had two games before this one. So Liverpool, fitness-wise, are a little bit further along. Okay. Um, what City tend to do is come back a little bit later and use the early fixtures in August to kind of get themselves up to speed so that 
the players get as much rest as they can in the summer. Wow. And then they kind of bank on the fact they're able to beat some of the, you know, most yeah. of the Premier League teams uh, in that early part of the season. So, look, I think Liverpool was slightly more ahead. I think City gave a little bit of, um, showed a little bit of what they've got. I mm. think, you know, they're not quite tuned in with Haaland's movement yet, I don't think. Um, he's very different to what they've had for the last couple of seasons when they've played a false nine. He wants to get in behind and be that leading striker. Mm. But I think what was encouraging from a Liverpool point of view was the fact, as you said, Darwin Nunes um, looks really lively because he's had a mixed preseason. Again, start of his preseason, I remember there was some uh, some kind of like eclipse going around on social media and missing a couple of easy chances. Oh. And said, who's this donkey? <laughs> then he scored four goals in a game, didn't he? And everyone thought, oh, hang on, this guy's great. And then to do it against Manchester City, uh, you know, to come on and score. Now everyone's absolutely raving about him. So, as with all these things, take pre-season with a little bit of a pinch of salt. However, there are some encouraging signs, and that's probably the best way to look at it. Yeah, look, I, I totally agree with you, that especially in a game like that. You don't, you don't want to burn your players out too soon. The season hasn't really started. But I find it interesting. You said you've been away with Man City, and you're right. This is the first time they're going to play with a real striker. Has, has Pep set the side up differently? Does De Bruyne, where does he fit into this mix now? Well, De Bruyne, the one thing I did notice, um, basically I've seen City play three times now. So we saw them play Club America in the first game of their preseason, which mm. was obviously very much a, a warm-up. And then we saw them play in that Bayern Munich game up in uh, Green Bay at Lambeau Field, where they it was rain-interrupted, it was slightly shortened, but Haaland did start that game the first time we'd seen him. And then obviously we've seen this game against Liverpool. Mm. And they will have to change how they're playing slightly. Um, those... They're not quite in tune, as I say, to playing the ball in behind where Haaland wants to run because as much as he's a big physical presence and he's good on the ball, he's mm. really quick. And if you look back at some of the, a lot of the goals he scored for Dortmund and for Norway, he loves just playing on the shoulder and racing in behind. Mm. He said himself that he studied Jamie Vardy, which I think is really interesting. Wow. Um, to see, to check his movement, to see how he gets in behind him and creates those opportunities, which potentially, I suppose, if you think about Riyad Mahrez and, and Vardy having that great combination when Leicester won the title, yes. maybe that's something that City will be able to tap into. But as far as De Bruyne is concerned, what I noticed, certainly in the Bayern Munich game, was he's playing a lot higher up the pitch. He seems to want to get... Pep was asking him to get closer to Haaland. So oh. almost play as a bit of a number 10. And so where the, the pair of them can then press as a pair, as opposed to, I don't know, say it was a Foden or maybe yes. it was a uh, Gabriel Jesus last season... They, they press, obviously, and then you have maybe Bernardo who go up and support. Well, it looks as though he's trying to get Kevin De Bruyne much more central. And what's interesting on De Bruyne is mm. Guardiola said before that game how much fitter he is because usually he's played in a major tournament. He's absolutely burnt out. Yes. He's, you know, he's had two weeks rest. Mm. Well, he's had a proper summer off. And Pep was saying, look, fitness-wise, this is the best they've seen him. So, actually, wow. I think De Bruyne could start the season really, really well. So, yeah, if you're thinking fancy football terms, uh, he's certainly one I've got my eye on. Yeah, very interesting. Oh, look, I'll be honest with you too, Ben. I'm going to break this into two parts. We're going to talk the Premier League, and then we're also going to talk the Fantasy League, okay? Because I need I need your assistance. But let's do the Premier League first. What about Liverpool then? They've made a few changes. Mane's gone. Uh, you know, Nunes comes in. Salah looked brilliant again. Is is Jurgen Klopp just going to run out the similar team week by week, or, or will he play it a bit differently this season? I think, um, again, with the season being split as it is, I think there's no problem with someone like Salah playing a lot of games, because remember, he's not going to the World Cup, right? So right. he's got to get through, I don't know, 14, 15, 16 matches, and then he gets a month off in the middle of the season. So mm. I don't think we'll see the burnout from Salah. And I, 
I also think that, I mean, Van Dijk, I think it was, says, suggested that he was affected by all of that talk around his future, the contract towards the end of last season, when he perhaps wasn't quite hitting the same heights he was earlier in the campaign. When, mm. you know, that period up to Christmas, to my mind, he was the best player on the planet at that point. Yeah, and he agreed. has got that, you know, that ability in abundance, right? So... I think we'll see a really strong start to the season. I think the signs again look positive. The fact that he took the penalty was interesting as well with James Milner on the pitch. Mm. Um, suggested that maybe, you know, maybe now he's completely taken on those responsibilities, which is interesting. Um, and it was really well dispatched, wasn't it? You know, keeper very well away and still managing to find well, the bottom court. It, it, I mean, it, it makes a difference when you haven't got 55 lasers in your eyes. <laughs> yeah, doesn't it just? <laughs> doesn't it just? So, look, I mean... I think, you know, with Mane going, it's all about Salah, isn't it, right? Yeah. Um, those two obviously had to share the limelight. You know, we wondered whether they, what that relationship was like. But actually, it seems that they've gone pretty well, actually, despite the, some of the talk to the contrary. Um, and it's fascinating, again, a bit like City, to see how Klopp is going to mould that attacking lineup. Salah's obviously your mainstay. Then you've got Firmino, who's been there a, number, a fair amount of time. But obviously, Darwin Nunes is, is kind of chomping the bit to get involved. Mm. Diogo Jota's injured at the minute. Luis Diaz had a fantastic end to the season last year. You'd imagine he'll probably fill that role on the left uh, at the start of the campaign. Yes. But they've got options again. And I think it's going to be about, for Klopp, it's going to be exactly that, keeping everyone fit and firing. Because when Liverpool are at their best, they blow teams away. They are one of the most potent attacking teams in the world. And if he can just get them linking up, as we saw with the old Mane-Firmino-Salah link, mm. I think they're going to be absolutely devastating again. And certainly, as I say, the early signs seem really positive. Yeah, it's funny eh, when you watch Liverpool and City to an extent, but Robertson and Alexander-Arnold, half the time they end up in the opposition's box. You know, they're like false strikers. It's like, what the... Is this, it's unbelievable. It really is. I mean, they are two absolute weapons, aren't they? And they can do that, Liverpool, because they've got, obviously, you know, when Van Dijk's fit, they've got an absolute colossus at the back, right? Mm. So... They, the pair of them are given that licence to play as midfielders. So essentially, Liverpool play, Liverpool play with two centre-halves. They have one, you know, one defensive midfielder, yeah. be it Fabinho or Thiago or Henderson, or whoever, just sitting just in front. And you're right, absolutely. They're, they're pegging the opposition right in, and there's no escape. And the quality of their delivery, I mean, the fact they're on set pieces as well, they take corners, <laughs> you know, they're delivering crosses into the box relentlessly. You know, Trent's always on free kicks in and around the area as well. That just shows the quality of delivery and shot they've got. And they, you know, they carry such a goal threat to the like we've, we've never really seen before with two fullbacks that attacking in the mm. Premier League. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And look, it's looking like, you know, Liverpool City once again in, in the top tier. But let's talk about some of the other teams. And full disclosure, I'm a Chelsea fan. I'm a bit worried. I've got to be honest with you, Ben. We, you know, we've lost half our defence. Okay, Lukaku's gone. He didn't work out. But, you know, we have, once again, we've gone in with not a real striker again. So what are your thoughts? Have you seen any preseason games? Yes. Well, uh, before I joined the Man City Tour, I was on the Chelsea Tour. So oh, I was okay. out in L.A. when they touched down, when Raheem Sterling signed. Then I followed them to Las Vegas, had a little drive over the desert to watch them play that game against Club America nice. at the Raiders Stadium. And... Honestly, they were quite disjointed. Now, again, that was, you know, the start of their preseason. So you wouldn't, you, you know, you're expecting it at that stage. I think the worry for me is what's gone on since, because I then joined City. They then went to Charlotte and they had that, you know, struggled to that kind of draw there. Yes. Then they got humped by Arsenal. Yeah, I didn't like um, that. You know, exactly. That's the one that concerns me a little bit. Although, again, putting it in context, Arsenal had played more games by that point. They were, they were further along in their preseason than Chelsea were. So okay. it will even itself out a little bit. But I think that the, the concerns are absolutely valid. They haven't managed to sign that second big-name central defender, no. which they are lacking. Now, 
Ben Chilwell still seemingly isn't quite ready to be fit enough to start, whereas you thought actually oh. he should be about he should be okay. about ready to, to play a play a key part. But clearly, when you look at the team selections, he's not been given that many minutes, which suggests yeah. to me he's not quite there yet. Um, does that mean Reese James is going to end up playing as a, a right-sided centre-half because they're going to have to play back three when there was all the talk that Thomas Tuchel was looking to try and play a back four this season? Well, he's not had the pre-season to be able to do that. Okay. And you're right. And up front, I think, look, I think Kai Havertz is, is the man that Tuchel wants in that 4 nine position. And I think potentially the, the kind of Havertz, Sterling, Mount kind of rotation, mm. that looks quite good to me if they can get that working as a fluid attack. Yes. And, and they might well be able to do that. Um, the challenge, I think, at the moment for Chelsea is defensively, if I'm honest. I really do think the fact they've not been able to sign Kunde, yeah. uh, the fact that some of their other targets seem to have slipped away. We're now getting really close, yeah. as we've been saying since the start of the season. And that's the worry for me. They've not had time to bed whoever they get in, in by this point. When you'd think, given they came in and Todd Bowley, the only, was all about, look, I'm going to go out, mm. buy big names, bring them in early, spend the money. It's not quite happened, does it? And I think that will be a concern for Thomas Tuchel in particular. Yeah, look, I'm the same. I have concerns. Uh, but, yeah, I, I pray for the best. That's true. But what about some of the other big names? Manchester United, how are they going? Since the endless Ronaldo saga, do you think he's going to stay? Or is it too late? Is, is he going? I mean, I don't... Honestly, I don't see how a character that large... Mm. And there's not many people that are, you know, in, in football that are almost bigger than football. Well, probably Ronaldo, Messi, maybe Mbappe, the three that mm. perhaps are in that echelon. And, yep. and it's, it's really hard, isn't it, for, for Eric Ten Hag? Because obviously, and this is, this is what managers before wanted to do, isn't it? They wanted to come into clubs and there is a big name. But, you know, I think Ralph... Uh, Ralph Rangnick felt this last year. Obviously, you know, playing with Ronaldo, I'm pretty sure some of the stats are a bit stark where he scores a lot of goals yes. individually, but I'm sure he makes the rest of the team stats worse because of the way he plays. He doesn't press. Yep. Uh, in fact, I think he, he pressed less than anyone else in any of the top leagues or something ridiculous <laughs> like that, which is, it was absolutely incredible, um, the change in the player, and yet there's still so much quality, but it's the personality. Yeah. So Eric Ten Hag has been fortunate in one sense in that he's been able to get into United He's been able to finally come in, clear the decks and say, right, this is a fresh start. And he didn't have Ronaldo for a lot of that preseason. Now, they gave Ronaldo this extra time off. Mm. Clearly, Ronaldo wants to go somewhere else. I mean, he obviously wants to play in the Champions League. That seems to be uh, his motivation. But no Champions League team seems to want him at the moment. So that leaves him at a massive impasse because United have been quite categoric. They're not selling. Well, how is he going to fit into this system? He's not going to press. He's not going to do the running that perhaps Ten Hag wants the other players to do. Yeah. So it's a real challenge because you've not only got a player who doesn't quite fit the way you want to play, but he's also a massive personality and one of the greatest players of all time. So quite rightly, Cristiano sat there thinking, well, you know, I'm, I'm quite good at football. <laughs> yeah. you, know, you should be trying to make this all about me. Um, and he's been used to that for, what, a decade, 15, yeah. 20 years? It's incredible. He's an incredible career where he's always been that person. So... It's a massive challenge, and I think it was interesting, wasn't it, in that game, that final friendly at Old Trafford against mm. Roy Vallecano. It was a second string, really, that Ten Hag played, but Ronaldo was in it, and then by all accounts, he left the ground early when, you know, when he, he was done. <laughs> oh, and no. I think that doesn't, nah. that doesn't quite feel right, does it? No, nah, it doesn't feel right. And what about, I mean, a, a team which has been making good noise has been Arsenal. They seem to be that Jesus is lighting it up for them. Yeah, I mean, he seems like a perfect fit at the moment, doesn't it? And and again, we just have to just just temper those uh, those thoughts just because it is pre-season. But you can't ask for a better start in terms of the number of pre-season goals he scored. He's fitted in seamlessly into the Arsenal attack. He's mm. given them that little bit more experience. And let's not forget, he brings with him that winning mentality. 
it is relentless at Manchester City in terms of what Pep Guardiola expects from the players yes. and the fact that every single week they have to be ruthless. And he's he's been part of that for so many years now. As a young player, it's been his formative years. Mm. So you've got a striker here, I really feel. If he can hit the ground running and get some goals in the Premier League in the next few weeks, I think he's going to be a massive asset to Arsenal because he will carry them and he'll feel like a bigger fish in that pond, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think that he'll enjoy, he'll embrace that leadership um, kind of role. Mikel Arteta clearly loves him uh, from his yes. time working at City with Pep. And you get the sense, you know, we can see a plan from Arteta. And that's what excites me about Arsenal right now is that over the last couple of years, when he came in, he was very defensive first, but they still managed to win the FA Cup. Then he slowly moulded it into the team he wants to see. And there's a lot of similarities to the way Guardiola plays. And now he's starting to get pieces in the right places. Defensively, they look, they look better. They've got a stronger midfield spine. They've now got attacking players that can create and score. And it's quite exciting, I think. And the preseason certainly suggests that Arsenal are going to start well. Yeah, it's good news for Arsenal. It excites people, but it worries me because I think they will have a very good season. Um, a couple of other teams to talk about. Uh, Spurs, uh, you, know, you know, one of the greatest combination of, of goal-scoring partners, Son and Kane, has just been unbelievable. Can they do it again? I don't see why not, because they they have such a great relationship. They are both so brilliant in their own individual way. Kane is fantastic in and around the box. Mm. His finishing is up there as one of the best in the Premier League. And Son scores these absolute worldies, and you know he does it so consistently that it's not a fluke. He he is he has that technique and ability, right? And they've obviously got this fantastic understanding, and they enjoy playing with each other, which we saw a couple of years ago when it was all about the goals and the assists or each other, which was pretty remarkable. Mm. Um, throw in Richarlison to now add a little oh, that's bit of backup. Right. Yeah. And I think, actually, it, it's looking very good for Spurs because the one thing we know about Antonio Conte is he is a winner as well. We talk about yes, Guardiola, we speak about Klopp, but yep. he's an absolute winner. He comes in and he turns teams into win machines. Yep. He's had now uh, 18 months. He's had the opportunity in the summer to bring in players that he wants he helps he, they signed well in January but also this summer he's brought in a lot more wing backs again he wants to get the right fit and you feel that they're not that far away either and that's again going into this season as much as I see, still see Manchester City and Liverpool as being above the rest mm. there is that real cluster and obviously Chelsea have, have slipped into this but Arsenal Tottenham United could go well there yeah. is a real cluster of very 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 good teams there and that and they could take points off the top two and they could even challenge if they start well so mm. I, I think it's uh, I think it's a really exciting time to be a Tottenham fan as well um, which I know you don't want to hear either. <laughs> uh, but, but look there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, talent there and I just I like what Conte's doing and he's and a bit like Arteta you can see a definite plan and again he knows what it takes to win Oh, absolutely. Look, I am so looking forward to this season. And look, I've got to tell you as well, uh, I'm just starting to get my fantasy league team together. Ben, apparently you've done pretty well in the fantasy league. Talk me through it. Well, I'm not bad. Again, it took me a while to get my head around fantasy football because, mm. you know, like yourself, I've been watching football for as long as I've been alive. Yeah. Uh, and then it's taken me a while to work at how to do fantasy football. But yeah, I won the Sky Sports News League last year, which is no mean feat. It's That's, not the best league. Doesn't matter. But it's by no means the worst, right? Mm. So I'm pretty pleased with that. I'll mm. take that. I'll take the trophy. It yes. sits on my mantelpiece. Very happy. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going with Haaland at the moment. I'm, think, I'm, I'm thinking of building it around a Haaland, yeah. De Bruyne, Salah, Premium, as it's known in the game, yes. Um, because I just I really I think that all those players can be so dangerous. Now, 
you know, lots of people in this part of the world are talking about big at the back. They're talking about maybe going four or five big name defenders because wow. obviously the number of points you get for wing backs is, is pretty remarkable. Sure. So if you build a defense of Trent and Robertson, yep. Cello, maybe Reese James, um, that is what a lot of people, certainly in who, who know the game, are thinking because of the, the points potential offer. But I still like a, a 4-4-2 this year. It gives you a bit of flexibility. Okay. Um, there's a couple of gifts who are cheap, aren't there? Nico Williams, £4 million starting defender, gift. He means you can free up funds elsewhere. Is, is he starting? Andreas Pereira. He's starting. He's going to start. Nico Williams will start for Forrest. Andres Pereira starts for Fulham. Again, a 4.5 million midfielder who, again, frees up funds elsewhere. So if you start, I always like to start with the cheapest players, actually. Because if you yes. start with cheap starting players, you've got more funds to, to spread around. And it's really interesting as well now with the, um, with the World Cup coming. It means we essentially get another wild card, right? So you get another time just to completely screw, you know, tear up your squad and start again, which means that at is the it, start of the season, it, it doesn't th- matter how badly you do. Oh, what? Is it three wild cards this year then? Yeah, because at the World Cup, when the World Cup comes, you essentially get another one. You get to uh, oh. when the World Cup, when play resumes after the World Cup, you get to just pick a new team essentially, oh, unlimited transfer. So oh, brilliant. So the point is, the first part of the season, whoever you pick in your team now, you in two, three, four, five game weeks, if it is going terribly, just just change it, rip it up, start again, wow. have a look at the data, see who's doing well, make yourself a team, and then you you can stay in and around it. So there's the opportunity potentially to take a few risks at the start and see who. Who does well? You know, you might you might get ahead of the pack, but then equally, if it is going wrong, there's you know, don't be afraid to tear it up. Okay, because I was going to ask you, who are some of the other cheaper players? Like you mentioned, Nico Williams, Andres Pereira. Are there any others on the radar from any of the teams we may well, not know? Like you know, like say Fulham, Forest, the, the promoted teams that have you know we're not so aware of. I think from the promoted teams, they're the best two. Honestly, I okay. mean the other ones I'm looking at are. Um, uh, Bailey at Villa. He's had a great preseason. He came in for a lot of money yeah. last year, but was injured for a lot of the season. He scored goals in preseason. He's only five million, so he's quite a good enabler. Yes. And um, obviously Nectar at Wolves again. He's had a good season. Five foot five. A lot of people talk about him as being another good one. Um, okay. And then I mean uh, up front, the the interest there is is how many strikers you go with. I'm going with two. I think I'm going to probably go Harland and Jesus because I like again what we were saying about him. Absolutely. That Arsenal team. But if you're only going to go one striker, there's a couple of real cheapies. I mean, Archer at Villa again, 4.5 million. He's not going to play much, but to stick on the bottom of your bench, let's be honest, that third bench spot you very rarely need. So yeah. you, just, you don't want to have any funds down there. Um, if you want to spend a little bit more, Undav at Brighton comes very highly rated. Okay. It might take him a few weeks to get going. Okay. But 5.5 million pound striker, I think um, the suggestion is that if he, he's got a lot of talent. So if he does start to, to play and score, you might get a bit of value out of him. But um, but look, United have got some good options too, haven't they? It depends how they start. Uh, Sancho looks fairly good price, I think. Um, so, yeah, I think okay. I think this year, with the way the pricing's done, there are a few little nuggets in there, and the beauty of them is you can you can build a side, as I say, and if it's all going wrong, if Bailey gets injured, if Neto yeah. starts missing sitters, if, you know, Dundam's not playing, then, you know, tear it up, do it again. Oh, sounds good, Ben. Hey, thank you so much for um, giving me that information, man. I've written that all down, and I'll be putting my finalising my team <laughs> just like you this weekend, brother. Yeah, and I am looking forward to... How many people in your league? Is it like 20 or 25 or 10 or...? No, the, 
the Sky Sports new league, news league's like 200 people. 200? So that's, uh, that's a big old league. Yeah, well, you can imagine we've got a lot. The thing with Sky Sports news, we've got a lot of people that like football there. Wow. Uh, so you can imagine there's a lot of interest uh, in this. And do you, so, do, so, you yeah. all, do you all put in like 20 pounds each or something? Can winner takes all or had anything like that? Or no, it... it's purely... Purely. It's purely pride of the trophy, which, oh, you know, is, uh, it. it's a glee. Imagine, imagine because mm. this is the radio, the Premier League trophy. Imagine yes. that. Oh. Twice the size and twice as gold, and that's how big the trophy is. Fantastic. I, that on my mantelpiece right now. <laughs> I am so jealous. Hey, Ben, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you, mate, and I'm sure we'll speak uh, many times again during the season. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. Good luck. Cheers. Thanks, Ben. There you go. Ben Ransom from Sky Sport UK. How good was that, big Ben? I fantastic. Uh, that's just magical stuff. And a couple of really good tips for the Fantasy League, which I definitely... Ben, please. Yes. I, I'm so desperate to win something in fantasy. It's it's literally eating away at me. So in my one of my previous employers at News Hub, we yes. do a fantasy rugby league one. Oh yes, we 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 do we do a draft. That's so big you, too. You pick your team at the start of the season. Mm. I reached the final Ooh. after the after the last game of the the round. You made the the cut off. Yeah, yeah, so so it was round twenty five. It was, and it was a grand final in, in the matchup, mm. and I had a fourteen point lead, oh, and good. I was like, brilliant, you know, yes. sure. I know, I know the scores can change, can change, but I thought I've never seen it change that much. Nah. Next, uh, go go check the next morning, and it's changed, uh. and I and it's even, Ooh. it's even, Ooh. and I was like, oh my god, oh my god, Ooh. the final updates released, yeah, and I lose by one point. Oh, take a break, man. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.